This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio. Got a great show for you today, talking with Aussie Reviews. A lot of you might remember I interviewed Aussie Reviews uh, for episode 79 of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I was in Queensland over Christmas and what I really enjoyed about going to Queensland, I had a great time in Queensland. I had uh, guys like Marty Phillips and his mate Aaron take me out. Uh, to a shooting range uh, not far from where my parents live and had a great time shooting, really enjoyed the lever actions, the the pistols, and had a great time with those guys. But what I did get a chance to do, and I actually have interviewed Marty before uh, for my Everyday Hunter series, but what I really enjoyed, especially with the Everyday Hunter and actually doing these podcasts in person, is that... You know, it's a lot more raw. It's a lot you ha- you can connect with someone on sort of a higher level, if that makes sense. And you know, I really enjoyed that because you have a laugh. In s- most of the th- uh, podcasts that I do, I actually do over Skype, so I record them, then edit them, and put them out. And a lot of these, some of these people, I haven't even met, so it's hard to sometimes build that relationship when you haven't really discussed a lot of things with a person and you haven't even met them. Uh, so when you get in person. It's a lot of fun. You have a laugh. You can really connect with people. And I think that's where some of the best podcasts are made, I think, especially for the Australian Hunting Podcast. Uh, So I've got Aussie Reviews. If you don't know who Aussie Reviews is, you can go just type in AHP, uh, hashtag 79, and it's called Talking Guns with Aussie Reviews. Now, Aussie does a lot of YouTube reviews. He uh, puts all the stuff out there, takes a lot of time and a lot of travel over to his farm uh, to conduct those uh, reviews for you on certain types of firearms. He's got a great channel, uh, so check it out. Aussie, I think you know, most of the time, or if not all the time, we've never really had a disagreement, I don't think. We think very similar uh, in regards to gun laws, getting our rights back, and trying to motivate people via our web pages and our Facebook pages to get people into shooting and to get them also you know, off their butts and to get them to you know try and make a difference in their sport, I think that makes a huge difference. And uh, I think we've done that. I think Aussie's done that. I think I've done that. And uh, with the advent of social media, people are really starting to take their rights with firearms yeah, a lot more seriously than I think they used to. So I think you're going to enjoy this show. Of course, you can check us out on Facebook, join our Facebook page, subscribe on iTunes. You can listen to us on Stitcher. If you want to email me, AustralianHuntingPodcast at gmail.com or click on that contact icon on the website. So without further ado, my name's Jason Selms and let's get into my interview with Aussie Reviews. This is Rod Drew, CEO of Field and Game Australia. This is Rob Fickling from Beyond the Divide and Maroka 30. Hi, this is Col Allison, hunter, journalist for 42 years and a shooter. Hi, this is Russell Mark, Olympic gold medalist. This is Charlie Jacoby from Field Sports Britain. Hey everybody, it's Tom Knapp and you're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. You're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast, Hunting, Shooting and Fishing Radio. Actually, just here, having with our handheld microphones, having a great chat with Aussie Reviews just over his house. We just had uh, 
dinner and we're going to have an awesome chat. I'm here in Queensland. So Aussie Reviews, how you doing, buddy? We've had you on before. Real well, Jace. Um, mate, uh, appreciate you coming up and uh, having a look at the uh, Aussie Reviews ranch, so to speak. <laughs> Say, mate, he's doing pretty well for himself, guys. He's doing pretty well for himself. Mate, tell us, um, I know I've had you on before, so most people know who you are. You do, obviously, reviews for YouTube. Tell us about yourself, mate, how you got into, again, just for people that don't know. Sure, mate. Yeah, basically, uh, when I first started off with uh, the reviews, there wasn't a lot in the Australian market with reviews. So I thought, well, you know, it's time someone sort of led from the front foot, so to speak, and uh, put it out there to try to be able to get uh, more people here in Australia to come to shooting as a hobby or a sport or, you know, a profession if they, they shoot occupationally, uh, that sort of thing. So it was designed to bring more people into the market and uh, create more awareness about the real side of actual shooting. Uh, on a personal note, uh, I've been shooting since I was approximately six years of age. Um, it's been a passion of mine for many, many years. And uh, this is my way, I guess, of uh, giving back something into the shooting community and uh, doing what I love doing on YouTube. Do you enjoy doing what you do? I mean, do you enjoy making the reviews? I mean, you've had some good uh, you know, views on YouTube especially. So, Yeah, mate, look, it's, a lot goes into it. And this is where a lot of people don't realise um, just how much it you know, takes up my time. Now, obviously, as most people know, my other half, you know, she does the filming. I do the editing. Um, and then, obviously, uh, we work together when we're out in the field and we're, we're doing reviews. And, uh, you know, it may only look like maybe, you know, uh, 10, 15 or some 20 minutes of, uh, you know, film work. But when you're actually out there and you're trying to shoot and, um, you know, you, you're trying to uh, play back audio and make sure that everything's coming through you know, with the clarity... It takes up a lot of time, um, you know, and then you'll have different factors like, um, you know, you might have a shower come across and it starts raining, you know, and, and then next minute your electrical equipment's getting wet and you've got to pause. And one of the funny ones that I'd probably like to share with your listeners was... Uh, just the one you told me tonight? Yes. <laughs> Good one, listeners. Listen to this one. Fantastic. So I was uh, actually doing one of the reviews and... Uh, Anyhow, we had to uh, stop all of a sudden because, uh, believe it or not, we had some uh, parachuters come down and <laughs> land in the middle of the field on the farm. And I kid you not, and uh, it was uh, a major pain in the backside because, uh, you know, I was getting right into the crux of the review and uh, shooting for groups and, and so forth. And, uh, you know, we, we had to stop for like a, a good hour and a half. And, um, you know, so it threw things right out. So there's, there's little uh, things like that that, get in the way with what we're doing so you know the reviews do take time that's the bottom line and uh, there's a lot of people out there that certainly appreciate it and I've noticed that I mean over the last couple of years since I've been doing it, I think it was uh, well, what about three years now I've been doing it and the hit rate with the web traffic and uh, just the general interest has really started to go through the roof which is you know fantastic. I think I remember when you said it was might have been two years ago now where you hit the over the million views now. Yeah, that's correct, mate. I'm uh, at I think about two point four million now, so um, it's certainly gone up 
a lot more rapidly than what it was, you know, when we spoke a couple of years ago. I mean, I remember when I first went to the uh, SSAA uh, shot show there in Sydney a couple of years back, and you know, I was so excited because I'd, I'd had, um, you know, somewhere around the four, eight thousand views somewhere there, and I mean, I was so excited. I mean, yeah, there's four thousand or eight thousand odd people out there have actually wanted to have a look at what I'm doing, and uh, you know, now it's sort of. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of people just sort of take it for granted. Oh yeah, no Aussie reviews. Oh yeah, he he reviewed that, or or um, let's check out his channel to see if he's reviewed this product. It's sort of like the go-to now with a lot of things, which I'm certainly appreciative of because a lot of effort and a lot of time goes into doing them. Tell us about um, what sort of reviews that you do. You do a multitude of different reviews for different types of firearms, different actions for you know your contract shooting. So tell us about that. Yeah, mate. Well, I've got a couple of passions. Um, one is uh, the American Staffordshire Terrier, which you met Cooper tonight. Yeah, nice little pooch sitting out there, wants <laughs> to uh, get in while we're recording, but we sort of can't allow it while we're trying to do the show. But it's a fine-looking dog, I tell you. It's a fine-looking dog. So, you know, he's a big passion of mine because um, the whole thing with, you know, American Pitbull Terriers and the American Staffordshire yeah, Terrier, yeah. it's like the AR-15 of the dog world. And, uh, you know, I'm a very big advocate of good people being able to have these dogs because as you've seen you know he's just a loyal family pet and uh, I really believe that people who are good people should have the freedom of choice and the freedom to uh, enjoy their lives and uh, and part of owning a dog that you wish to have um, is is plays a very big part in that freedom that's what I'm trying to say so that's one side of it so I, I do a bit with the uh, the dog videos I've definitely got to do a little bit more with them because it's funny I've got some followers who are strictly dog people and they have no interest in the firearms um, then I've got other viewers who are firearms only have no interest in the dogs but then I've got viewers who are both and they like both so um, that's the sort of thing I like to do I like to do naturally all the firearm stuff but I like to do even the smaller reviews you know like I did a review there on uh, some snap caps you know um, and just uh, cycling and, and and how they work because what I've noticed since starting this channel is there is a lot of people out there who are brand new into shooting and I've had a lot of requests now for such basic videos and even myself and you know yourself and others probably think well geez I wouldn't even bother watching a review so basic we've got to stop and remember that we were all new to shooting at some stage and there's these little things even from cleaning a firearm and different cleaning products that new shooters are just screaming out for that information. So that's what I like to cover as well. And then obviously some outdoor equipment. So, you know, a couple of knife reviews, um, camping reviews. I've done a tent and uh, a few things like that. So I like to cater for all of the outdoors and then obviously the passion that I've got, um, you know, with the American Staffordshire Terrier as well. Mate, how does that tie into, I mean, even about dogs, this obviously comes back to our freedoms, like with owning specific types of firearms, people are having issue with these dogs. I mean, we, we're struggling to really do anything in this country without people breathing down our neck. <clears throat> this is a bad dog, it should be banned. This is a bad gun. I mean, it really sort of ties in together with regards to freedom. Absolutely agree with you, mate. And this is the problem when we have a look on the on the TV, I mean, looking at it from the dog 
side of things. I mean, you see the media saying a pit bull type dog. You know, it's just like their their catchphrase of assault weapon or, you know, AR-15 or AK-47. And, you know, those of us who are in the know look at the uh, media article and go, hang on, that's... That's a pump-action shotgun. What's that got to do with an assault weapon? Or you know, So this is the sort of thing that we suffer on the dog side of it as well, as we've got uh, people who, through the local councils, are trying to bring in, and they have successfully done it, this BSL or breed-specific legislation. And uh, it's a big problem because they want to target a breed solely on their um, cosmetic appearance, like with the Cat D stuff. So in other words, something that looks like a pit bull, uh, they want to ban it completely, put your dog to sleep and just get rid of it. And this is the problem is once or if you were to give in to them with that, what's next? Is it going to be Doberman's next or is it going to be German Shepherd's? Where does it stop where your individual freedom of choice is it, uh, is basically uh, encroached upon that much that you've got no freedom left? And, and that's the other side of the channel too, to put awareness out there that good people, in my view, should be rewarded for the years of law-abiding service to the community with paying taxes and everything else. Why should good people in the community be hampered and told what they will and won't do when what they want to do is not hurting anyone? Yeah, and go, I know you did a um, – tell us about – my mate, as you know, Murray, I think he's given you a call once or twice – about the Adler shock, and you did a review on that. What was your thoughts on the Adler? A few people were having, <clears throat> you know, flawless, totally flawless with them. Uh, then there's other people out there that are having, you know, major problems with, you know, the Adler not cycling properly. And you did a fairly, you know, which I thought balanced review on the Adler. Um, how did you feel that went? How did you feel? And what do you feel about the Adler? You reckon it's a good piece of kid or for the price or? For the price, mate, yeah, it is. Um, it definitely generates a lot of interest to shooters, and I can understand why. I certainly had a lot of fun doing the review. Um, my knuckles certainly paid for it, as I uh, as I put in <laughs> the, the review. With the, uh, what do they call it? The, <laughs> the lever, the actually. The lever. Yeah. It, <laughs> I couldn't think. I've gone yeah, blank. Yeah, it was, uh, it was certainly uh, punishing uh, them. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, the feedback I was getting was quite unique because people were saying if they had the, the longer barrel version, um, it was okay. It was smooth, yet the shorter barrel version wasn't. And I'm thinking, well, it's the same action. How can that be? But that was the feedback I was getting. But interestingly, I mean, look, I've had no negative comments come back, you know, from Niowa um, about it because, you know, I've, I've got a healthy uh, relationship with those guys over there. They understand that um, my reviews are independent. And um, just like anything else, it's like, for example, if you met me at the range and you saw, say, the Adler shotgun, and you said, oh, hey, mate, I see you got the Adler. What's your thoughts on it? Well, I'm just giving my viewpoint on in these reviews on a particular product, just as I would as if I'd met you at the range and I was talking about it. Some things I really, really like, but, yeah, definitely the action was a, <laughs> a real pain, literally. And uh, if it was me, like I said in the review, I'd be definitely pulling that apart and polishing up um, the action so that it was a lot smoother. And what do you think about, you know, we've seen a lot from, um, you know, Michael Keenan, Minister for Justice, etc., saying, you know, and actually it's quite interesting, you've probably seen this one too, um, uh, Police Minister Troy Grant in New South Wales actually came out for shooters, there was a video going around, I think SSAA actually posted it saying, you know, these aren't the firearms we've got to worry about. Um, you know, we know there was some interest from uh, the LDP in making sure that, you know, these firearms are available, doing a possible deal with the government on the sunset clause to make sure that, it, 
you know, it, it wasn't a full-time ban. Um, do you think we'll get those uh, seven-shot or the eight-shot Adlers coming in? What's your thought? What do you think about that? Yeah, I think for the time being, uh, what they'll do with the whole NFA is they'll uh, keep the Adler shotgun to five rounds. That's only my personal view on it. Um, because I think the government's been put in a position where they're trying to please the antis out there and they're obviously trying to please the thousands of us that actually have got up off the couch and uh, written into our local members, even made the effort to go in and meet with them personally. So I think for this time being, um, it will probably stay at five. However, we'll see what happens with that sunset clause. I mean, any of us who are in the know with shooting know that it's absolutely ridiculous. Seven rounds or five rounds, I mean, what's the difference? These are in the hands of licensed shooters. And one of the comments that I made when I did the Adler review under it was a guy asked me my, my honest thoughts on it. And I, I said, funny how, uh, you know, well, I should say from a political point of view, but it was funny how I, I said on the comment, well, it's, you know, strange. Um, I've had the Adler in my hands and uh, I haven't wanted to go on any murderous rampages or anything like that <laughs> that uh, the, the, the fools from uh, Gun Control Australia were accusing us, the licensed shooter, of if we were going to have this firearm. And it's just absolutely ridiculous. So I, I, what they need to do is start focusing on the issue and the issue is um, illegal firearms, criminals with firearms and just leave licensed shooters alone. And I, I, I really disagree with this new um, mode of thought, I guess, that I've, I've seen come out of the different firearms registries and some um, areas of government, that, oh, if you've got that, that is potentially accessible to a criminal who could break into your home. And most people would look at that and go, well, that's a, oh, okay, that's a fair enough uh, comment when you look at it that way. But my view on that is, well, hang on. Where does that stop? I mean, why should I be responsible or not have access to something being a free person just because there's a potential that someone who's a criminal may steal that off me? And and I really take offense to that. Um, as far as I'm concerned, my personal view is, well, perhaps the government should be looking at other ways to actually make sure that these criminals who are caught by the police actually get put away and we see penalties uh, in the media that live up to community uh, expectations on what should be handed out instead of just seeing offenders getting slaps on the wrist. And, and that's what we see people complaining about all the time in the media. What would make, what's your, with Aussie reviews, I mean, I know you've got a lot of people into shooting, give them a lot of help. I know you're pretty big on, you know, writing submissions to government, uh, writing to your local members after tonight's conversation, meeting with your local members because. You know, I guess we're sick of being trodden on. I think I had this conversation with you. If this was happening, this sort of vilification, you know, was happening to, you know, our uh, the, you know, the gay community, Muslim community, any religious, any minority, really, there'd be total outrage, mate. They'd be like, uh, I think there was one article in the paper where it says, "Gun, not, gun nuts don't get to call the shots." Uh, can you imagine if I said, you know, or you know, gays don't get to call the shots, or homo, whatever? It doesn't matter what it is, really. Why is it acceptable to treat shooters like this, mate? I mean, why is it acceptable to continue to vilify shooters when, you know, I mean, by definition, we're some of the best people in the community with no criminal record? Absolutely, mate. And why that is is because we had a prime minister back in 1996 who made it quite popular to uh, discriminate and uh, look down at shooters. And that's the way that it's carried on ever since. But slowly the the uh, tide is turning. I, I personally feel that anyway. 
because we're getting just the sheer amount of numbers of shooters that we've got nowadays. And obviously, they're getting more and more people into it. Um, you know, I recently put a post there on the Facebook page. I got uh, 18 friends of mine into shooting there only last week. So they've done their safety course now, applying for their license. Um, if those 18 get another 18, people into it i mean you know this is what we all need to do and there's so many people there at home who will probably be listening to this just thinking yeah you know well i'll just let other people do the fight and everything that's not good enough and we all need to do just our little bit and together that's when we can make a difference and see some of these laws actually being overturned mate and there's good news queensland sometimes does it tough up here especially with no uh no upper house so Joanne Miller, police minister, as we know, people that don't know who Joanne Miller was, well, she was until I think last week, the police minister. Um, basically, she's gone now. Uh, she refused to meet with, with shooting groups. She refused to meet with pretty much anyone, double, I think it was double S, double A, anyone to do with shooting, anyone that sent her a letter, no response whatsoever. So it's kind of good she's gone. It was kind of tough, I guess, under her for, for that period of time when there's really no consultation with the shooting community. Exactly right, mate. I mean, you know, when I did that first template letter up and I was encouraging people to actually write in, obviously one of the recipients of that was uh, the police minister in everyone's state. So the feedback I was getting here in uh, Queensland, I mean, I was just saying, because obviously I sent it in as well, there was just no consultation. And then it came out um, through the uh, Shooters Union up here in Queensland that... um, she just blatantly refused to meet. Um, I believe she even refused to meet with Gary uh, Brightkratz from... Oh, yeah, Gary, everyone knows we interviewed uh, Gary Brightkratz, who was a member of parliament uh, in Canada, and, yeah, actually refused, I mean, an invitation from a sitting member of parliament, you know, in Canada. I mean, you know, didn't want to meet him, didn't want to talk to him. I mean, at least Minister Keenan, you know, at least had the somewhat courtesy to meet Gary, whether he listened to him. I mean, what can you... Hey, uh, Aussie, what can you honestly say when you're sitting there going... This registration, we'll, we'll get on this a bit later, but this registration just doesn't work. We've saved, you know, half a, half a billion dollars, or we're going to over the next two to three years, which can go to schools, education, roads, anything really, you know, uh, mental health, anything can be better than what this money's being spent on. And Keenan would have been sitting there going, oh, okay, yep, 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 all right, goodbye. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's pretty much about it. Yeah, that's right, mate. It would have been uh, interesting to be a fly on the wall, I think. But, uh, you know, just touching on uh, Joanne Miller, I mean, look, I I think just personally, my own personal view on it again is um, anyone who's elected uh, as a a politician um, needs to remember where they came from and that it was us, we the people, that put them there. And for Joanne Miller to actually refuse to meet with people in not only her own electorate but as her uh, portfolio of police minister, refusing to even respond to people when they had very legitimate concerns about what was going on um, is just absolutely disgraceful uh, to me. And I really feel that justice, I suppose, has been served in the sense of, um, you know, she was removed and rightfully so because um, how can you have someone in that position who's refusing to fulfil their obligations that that particular position um, requires? 
Yeah. I think well, there were some other issues uh, surrounding that too, I think, and some uh, issues she had. Obviously, I don't think it was just meeting with shooters. There were some other apparently untoward issues that I don't really want to go into is why she was removed as well. So, I mean, really justice has been served, hasn't it, Aussie? I mean, you know, really we've been vindicated. Hopefully the next person we get in, um, I'm not sure who it is yet. You might even know. I'm not sure yet. But hopefully they you know, have a good relationship with shooters. And I had a, a chat with Aussie here about, I've said this on the show before, about we should be having a fantastic relationship with the police. We should be working with the police, not having this you know, fractured relationship that we've currently got where, you know, my feeling is the, the well, maybe not the, the lower rank and file police, but, you know, the police, especially the police commissioners, and they're giving the information to the police minister and they're just acting on what the commissioners say. I mean, the police here in this country, I think, do have a lot of power um, and you include the media, the left-leaning media with that. I mean, really, we're under the pump at every, every point we're under the pump. Absolutely, mate, we are. And, um, you know, but this is a very important message to get out to viewers is even though we're under the pump and, yeah, look, I'll, I'll be honest, like there's some days I wake up and I think, geez, you know, all this all this fighting all the time just to enjoy my hobby that I, I want to do and I just want to be left alone. Um, you know, there are times where you think, geez, I, I just don't want to write another letter or, or whatever. But what you've got to remember is you need to be relentless. Do you see the anti-gunners going home or just calling it a day? We, we don't. We just don't see that. You need to be relentless exactly like they are. And that's why someone who, let's face it, I mean, you know, it, it seems very much uh, smoke and mirrors about how big this Gun Control Australia is. It's like two or three members. I think it's two with a typewriter maybe. Yeah, so, you know, if that's the case, I mean, how can they have so much clout here in Australia? And it's quite simple because they're relentless. They don't give up. Um, unfortunately, um, no one's there really to question their lies until recently once we started having, you know, pro shooting parties and different parties that are more um, friendly, I suppose, towards um, licensed shooters. But, um, you know, we need to be the same. We need to be out there. We need to be talking to people all the time. And we've got the best ammunition, pardon the pun, on our side. And that's the facts because we have the facts that proves that licensed shooters in general are no risk to the community regardless of what firearms we've got in our possession. And, uh, you know, people can talk about um, different things. Right? Well, you know, was it last year we had that uh, murder down in uh, New South Wales with the licensed shooter, I believe? Oh, yeah, Lockhart, the Lockhart yep. murders, the uh, family uh, suicide, homicide, suicide, yeah. Yeah, and you know, absolutely a tragedy. You know, four or five people lose their life, absolutely. But what I can't understand, and this is what I like to explain to people, is, you know, people may say, well, that's it, okay, zero tolerance, we, we must get rid of guns. Well, hang on a minute. Like, let's look at the overall stats here in Australia of gun homicide. Um, you know, as we as we both know, it's been falling at the same rate well before 1996. And anyone who wants to investigate that for themselves can clearly see that the 96 gun laws have not had any effect on that. However, that is a little bit of a side note. But uh, moving on with um, you know with what I'm saying with it is when you're actually looking at uh, at at these laws and the amount of gun homicide that we have a year i mean i think it's lower than 30 now was the last year's uh, gun homicide amount now it is such a measly amount when you're looking at the overall population of australia yet here in queensland alone we lose uh, roughly 300 people a year to fatalities with motor vehicle accidents so why are not 
um, their moves from the government to go, well, okay, you can't have a vehicle that goes over 100, 110 kilometres an hour. Um, you know, I had this discussion with one of the federal members uh, up here and I said to him, I said, well, why should you drive your uh, statesman? And he says, oh, well, you know, like I, I like the vehicle and things like that. And I said, well, you don't need it. You could you could come to work on a scooter, for example. And, you know, and then, <laughs> he, he, yeah, he really, like, he really put himself on my level there and understood where I was coming from. And I said, so if it's about public safety, and this is the biggest thing, and I always bring this up when I'm questioned by a lot of people who are anti, I say, well, is it about public safety? Is is that the bottom line? And they all go, well, yeah, absolutely, it's the bottom line. Okay, well, why is there not zero tolerance with motor vehicle accidents? If it's just about public safety and saving lives, like we've got, like I said, 300 a year here in Queensland alone die in motor vehicle accidents each year. Yet nationally, we've only got roughly 30 or less people dying from gun homicide in Australia. So why is there this zero tolerance approach towards firearms? If there's an incident involving firearms, that's it. Um, you know, mass changes to legislation, let's get rid of firearms, yet these lives can continually be lost on our roads and you don't see any calls for banning of uh, any sort of particular types of vehicles. I, I just find it double standard. We're just going to go to a quick break here on AHP Digital and we will be right back. Don't go anywhere. Do you have dull, blunt or badly sharpened knives that couldn't skin a cat? At Scary Sharp, we use a multi-step grinding system and will hand sharpen your blades to a precise edge. Our process of sharpening knives will have your blades splitting hairs for a surprisingly low cost. Not only do we sharpen knives, but we also sharpen scissors, clippers, garden tools, arrowheads, axes or anything that holds an edge. We are located close to Canberra and we also have a mail-in service. Visit Scary Sharp on Facebook or call Bob on 0410 432 852 and find out how we can meet your sharpening needs. Scary Sharp. If it cuts, we can sharpen it. For too long, shooters' rights have been ignored by politicians. Liberal Democrat Senator David Lionhelm has been shooting pistols, rifles and shotguns for over four decades. He knows what shooters want. He challenged the Adler shotgun ban and forced the government to retreat. Shooters' rights are a core issue for the Liberal Democrats and we won't back down. Visit ldp.org.au and vote one, the Liberal Democrats. Mate, there's always this thing too, it's interesting where some, and I've actually had friends say this to me where they go, you know, if it, if it just saves one single life, you know, isn't it worth it? And you just brought up the car thing. I mean, I think... And I've said this before on the show, if it's just worth one, is it, if it saves one single life, is it worth changing? I don't think it is. Yeah, I agree with that, mate, because um, unfortunately in life in general, there's always risk. I mean, if it saves just one life, well, why don't we get rid of motor vehicles and everyone gets around on push bikes? But then well, there's bound to be an accident on a push bike as well. There's always going to be that element of risk, but all you can do is just try to minimise that risk. And, I mean, we've done it in the shooting community. I mean, you know, um, <laughs> law-abiding shooters anyway are licensed. So that is um, the risk mitigation there in my view. Like people, okay, if they've got a licence, 
that's fine, but that's where it should stop. And the reason I say that is because how would you feel if you were, for example, um, you know, getting your car license, but once you got your car license, you then had to put in for a permit to acquire to go and buy a Holden Commodore. And then you had someone from the government turning around and saying, well, I don't think you should have that Holden Commodore. Uh, I don't think it's in the interest of uh, the public or give you some other reason that you really do personally feel is absolute BS and then tell you, no, you can't have this, but we'll tell you what you can and can't have. Now, look, I know there's restrictions with vehicles, like someone just can't get a supercar and drive it on the on the main road. But the selection of motor vehicles that you've got here in Australia is, is pretty damn good. And that's what people I feel as uh, licensed shooters are asking for, just very, very similar to what we've got over in New Zealand, is access to different firearms depending on what their interest is and i know because i'm old enough to certainly remember pre-96 i mean i was definitely an adult and working and so forth even though you could still get semi-autos believe it or not like you didn't go to the range and just see a whole heap of like ar-15s for example because they were still pretty expensive you saw a lot of sks's skk's when they first came out But then it was funny because I even had a whole heap of friends who had them and they went out and they chased a few pigs and stuff and they were like, you know what, I'm shooting more at the range nowadays, I want something that I can shoot more groups with. And they'd sell the SKK or the SKS and they'd go out and buy themselves a bolt action. But it's like anything, if you restrict it or take it away from someone, the uh, need for them to say, I really, really want that is going to just increase massively because you're taking something away from someone so i really think that uh once again it comes back to that real freedom of choice once you're licensed once you've jumped through the hoops you've proved yourself to be a good person what is the difference if you were then to go crazy for example if you went mad with a a 10 shot bolt action like a 303 forward for example or you had a a five shot semi-automatic shotgun or you know even a 10 round Uh, mini 14 or something like that dead is dead all you can do is put in place the uh the risk management i guess for a better term to try to uh, minimize those sort of things but still give people freedom of choice because we've got to remember we are a free country here in australia so i i completely disagree with taking away people's freedoms all in the name of oh well a criminal might actually get access to it so that's why we need to restrict it and and I, i i disagree with that Mate, we spoke about this before. Some people say to me, and it really disappoints me sometimes on Facebook, where people that don't listen to my show often say things like, oh, you know, Selms wants concealed carry and, and you know, we, oh, he wants American-style gun laws or anyone that's actually either pro-firearm or wants their rights back. Um, again, I've never I, – I, as we know, as you probably will tell people now, you're a member of the National Rifle Association. I think a life member. I'm a paying-off life member, but I've got a couple of hundred bucks to go. Um, you know, I thought to myself the other day, I've got a question for you This about your organisations. I, mean, I looked the other day and I thought to myself when I looked at all my memberships for whether it be gun clubs, you know, political parties, doesn't matter what it is. I looked at them and I thought, am I actually proud to be a member? And what memberships am I proud to be of? Looked through my cards and I thought, mate, really, even though as such joining the America, we're actually helping the Americans, I think it helps us because... If we get changes in America, how long do you think before they're going to come here? And getting back to my question was, 
I found myself only proud of one membership that I held, the National Rifle Association. People, and we spoke about this on just the previous episode, uh, 104, that was just released in um, around the 20 or 22nd of December. And, you know, I looked at them, I, I really couldn't picture one. You know, I mean, I'm proud to be a member of them. I'm proud to give them money. I donate to them. I, sometimes I can't say that about the Australian groups I'm part of because we're always hearing, even now, whether it's our pro-gun parties or organisations, constantly apologizing for me wanting my rights back like i'm sick of it i know a lot of shooters are sick of it what do you think about obviously our laws currently are you, are you proud of any of your memberships do you think our organizations are, are doing a good job um what are your thoughts on that? obviously you don't have to say any names obviously but what do you think just as a general scope yeah mate i'm uh, obviously very proud to be a uh, life member of the nra and uh, i'm actually looking at upgrading that membership you can actually upgrade it another two or three levels um you know it certainly costs a lot of money to do so <laughs> true but uh you know it, it it gives you a feeling of being a part of standing up for gun rights not just here in australia but on the global front that's how i look at it and I recently promoted on my uh, Facebook page uh, Tom Gresham's Gun Talk over in the States, an avid listener of uh, his show. I love it. Um, he does a couple of specials now and then, and um, he's actually got at the moment a $500 um, life membership, so $500 US life membership with the NRA. And I posted that on my page, and a few people, people uh, and rightfully so, said, oh, Aussie, you know, what the hell will we bother joining the NRA for? What's that going to do for someone here in Australia? And I talk about, well, the insurances that come with the with the uh, membership as a life member. Um, you know, you also get uh, your choice of magazine. And when you look at most of the American uh, firearm magazines here in the Australian news agencies, yeah, roughly about twenty four ninety five around there, twenty to some even thirty dollars. Now you work that out. Like if you're paying five hundred dollars, um, you've only got to within a couple of years you'll have that back just in the value of um, the actual magazine. But I look on it another front too. Is um, even though the NRA have certainly had um, no intention to come out here and, and form a, any sort of uh, you know, gun rights organize not uh, say again, sorry, organization out here. Um, I look at it and think, well, hang on, if they've got, say, for example, like ten thousand members or something like that out here, wouldn't that be a fair amount of um, incentive to come out here and start fighting? And when you talk about being proud of different memberships and so forth, look, one of the things that uh, I am quite proud of here is the Shooters Union here in Queensland. I've seen firsthand through this NFA what's basically been going on with them. And when you talk about someone who doesn't back down, doesn't apologize for being a shooter or apologize for, for anything on the, on the gun rights uh, scene, I take my hat off to uh, Graham Park from the Shooters Union, the president there. Uh, I've met with him a couple of times now. Um, fantastic bloke, um, very much along the same um, ideas as myself when it comes to firearms and I'm actually planning to do an interview with uh, him, a sit-down review where we're just going to kick back out the farm around the campfire and uh, and just have a bit of a chat like we're doing now because I, I have to admit prior to this whole NFA issue I didn't have a lot of knowledge about the Shooters Union. I knew they were there but I thought okay just another organisation but when I actually spoke to him and I have seen firsthand the meetings that he's had with uh, the Premier here, uh, also different local members and what's gone on about this NFA issue and what Shooters Union have done, 
I strongly and strongly support them. That That's all I can say about it. Yeah, I want to say I didn't. Uh, Shooters Union, I've actually interviewed um, Chris Howard as well, who works with the Shooters Union. And yeah, I'm uh, not a member of the Shooters Union, but they, you know, seem to be in Queensland, are doing a fantastic job, um, you know, advocating for shooters. Well, it's actually good to have a shooting organisation that actually understands our rights. I'm just, Aussie, I'm just, I'm, I'm sick of people apologising for my gun rights, you know what I mean? Or, you know, we're working in the background or, you know, oh, we've got it under control. But, you know, at the end of the day, well, we're just not seeing any results either, whether it be from organisations, what what results are we seeing where people are getting our, you know, our gun rights back? People say, oh, you know, Selms wants to be like America. Not even close. I'm, ha- I'm happy to be a member. I like their current gun laws. But we're seeing New Zealand... And again, we're not having a problem in New Zealand, same firearms. And we had this discussion before we actually came on air uh, for people that are actually listening. But I mean, um, you know, we're just not having these issues. And I spoke on the previous show saying uh, the culture of the Americans and, and guns is not mutually exclusive. So why are we having these firearms in Canada you know, even even the UK have got semi-automatic and pump-action shotguns. Might not have the AR-15 rifles, but people like New Zealand, Switzerland, they're just not having a problem. So what is in the culture? Why is there a, a I guess, a, not a killing culture, I won't say in America. Why are they having the problems there? Like people like New Zealand are just not having the issues. They haven't had a mass shooting since 96. As you know, Canada got rid of their firearms registration. Former Prime Minister Stephen Harper said, complete waste of money. Quote, hasn't saved one single Canadian life. I mean, does John Howard know something we don't know? I mean, you know, how ridiculous is it? Yeah, I, I've often thought about that myself, mate. I have to be honest. I really wonder why they're using Australia as basically an experiment. That's how I look at it. Um, when you look at places like Canada, New Zealand, I mean, especially New Zealand, I mean, you know, uh, culture-wise, I mean, they're very, very similar to us. Um I just are we I, that untrustworthy compared to New Zealanders? What are New Zealanders that much more trustworthy than us? Are they? really? Yeah, I, I just I find it really strange. And this is the other thing that you know, and, and perhaps it's detriment to myself. But I, I like to say to people like, why should I, as a occupational shooter, be any more trustworthy than the next person who doesn't have a Category D license? I mean, I've just, there, there's not an extra check for a Category D licence holder that I'm aware of. It's just a simple police check. Um, I mean, there's there's no more hoops you've got to jump through in the, in, the, in the sense of checks and balances. I mean, apart from the application phase, which everyone knows is pretty difficult to get through, but um, you look at it and go, okay, well, if there's someone who's a uh, sports shooter, they've been shooting out at the range there for, you know, 10 years or, or whatever, what makes them any less trustworthy than myself? Um, you know, so why should I have an AR-15, but they don't? Yeah, and I support, I, I see this a lot too, and no doubt you as a contract shooter as well, uh, and me have done it in the past, obviously, previous my Cat D, but I hear this, and I support the Category D firearms owners 100%, but there seems to be a new breed of people too that I see on Facebook especially saying, well, you know, I've got it. This actually was in regards to comments to the Adler as well um, from a couple of guys down in Victoria saying, well, you know, We've got a business, you know, we should have it. We're more experienced. The average shooter shouldn't have it. And just sort of selling out shooters, I mean, shouldn't we be all supporting each other? 
Absolutely, we should, mate. And uh, I remember this when I I did up that template letter there, and uh, you know a few people commented about that. And and one of the things was, um, you know, one guy said, "Oh, look, I don't see any need for a uh, 50 BMG." And I said, well, personally, I wouldn't buy one. It personally doesn't interest me, but I'm going to 110% stand behind anyone who's a law-abiding person to obtain one. I mean, if, if they want to go out you know, once a month to a large property uh, or a range where 50 cal or, or you know, any of those real high-end heavy calibers are, are permitted, if they want to go there and shoot, they're not hurting anyone. Who am I or anyone else to stop that person from doing so? We're supposed to be free. And the more that we um, look after our own interests in the sense of uh, individually so uh, you know myself you know okay I'm a contract shooter well nobody else can have cat d you know I'm more experienced I mean that's just a pig-headed attitude and as far as I'm concerned like myself or anyone else it, it shouldn't matter it should be just across the board access to firearms provided people are licensed and We've already proven it with what's going on in Canada, what's happening in New Zealand. I mean, they can still have AR-15s there. You don't even need a license. You can go in and get a suppressor. On a collector's license there, you can have fully operating, full automatic machine guns. And do we see these mass murders? Do we see people every day in New Zealand going on killing sprees? No, we don't. And it proves that the only thing that was needed in 1996 was simply a licensing system to separate the people with mental health issues and criminals from legally walking into a firearm shop and purchasing a firearm. Yeah, I just don't see people say the difference between, I guess, you know, New Zealand and America obviously is, is, is technically you know, a license, but I mean, they abolished, you know, firearms registration back in the mid-1980s, complete waste of money, didn't do anything for public safety. Um, yeah, we've persisted with it, brandishing it across the world as the, you know, premier system. But as we said, we've seen in um, Wagga Wagga with the Lockhart murders, the murder-suicide, I mean, that firearm was registered, um, didn't stop it being used illicitly in a crime. So I know we've spoken about this before, but what's your thoughts on registration? We've seen Police Minister Ann Tolley say, you know, the private registration of firearms will have, you know, uh, no bearing on public safety, anything like that, which is supported by the police uh, and will not give any greater protection to the community. So why do we persist with this wasteful, cumbersome, costly bureaucracy that has to hire you know up 50 to 80 people i know the one in new south wales has something like that and they're 80 people somewhere around there um which is costing millions of dollars which could go to plenty of other things especially when you know the idea of registration was to stop crime so let me get this straight doesn't stop criminals you know how many criminals register firearms get licenses put permits in we obviously know that's none uh and then it doesn't actually on the other hand stop a law-abiding firearm it is doing the right thing registered from using that gun illicitly either so it doesn't work from both sides of the feds i agree completely uh, registration needs to be scrapped and i think one of the reasons why it hasn't is because and, and i know firsthand from uh, meeting with uh, i've met with several members of parliament up here now there are a couple that really believe registration is saving lives and i've even said to them well you write to weapons licensing up here and get the statistics on how many lives registration has uh, saved. You won't hear from any, yeah? No, that's exactly right. And it, it just proves that registration is, is, is a waste. People will say, well, we need to know where the firearms are. I've got two, two thoughts on that. 
The first is I remember when I got my uh, um, Anschutz uh, Bolt Action 223. Uh, I'd obviously put in for the PTA. I'd acquired it. It took over a year for weapons licensing to send out an updated weapons list. So in other words, I had it in my possession without it being registered to me officially for a year. Like, you know, and they say registration is there to save lives. So if I was a person of ill intent and police had to come to my address, um, hypothetically, they would do a check and there would be nothing in my possession. So they could come in thinking, oh, yeah, he's got no firearms. Yet here I am and I greet them at the door of the 223. So this is why this is one of the reasons why I find registration just an absolute joke because they seem to be so far behind. I mean, you've just got to talk to any other shooters out there who say, yeah, I, I don't, you know, it's taken that long for a weapons list to come out or have a talk to the people who have the inspections done by police. The police come round and, and, you know, that many times from the feedback I've been given, they've got outdated lists. They don't even have up-to-date lists on what's registered to that person. They come around and they'll say, oh, where's that old 303? Oh, I sold it six months ago. Oh, well, where's the paperwork? And, you know, and they show them the Form 10 up here that shows that it's gone into a dealer and been transferred. And this is a sort of... Uh, you know, this is a sort of issue that you know that we've got with this uh, whole registration. It's 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 just a complete farce. And secondly, I I just think um, on a on a money saving issue, it's already been proven in New Zealand. It's already been proven in Canada. And a lot of people will say, well, we need to know where they are. What's stopping someone purchasing a firearm and then just you know giving it so to their to mate? Someone, yeah, 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 that's a big thing. Well, the same over in the States. You know, it's a felony if you do that. So if you do sell a firearm to someone and then they go and they use it in a bank job... You're done, yeah. You're done. So We've does- spoken about this before too, and I, I totally agree with you. We spoke about this saying, well, we had two scenarios. Let's say you're selling them to criminals. Let's say you sell one. All of a sudden, you get a knock at the door next week, mate. We need two more. And you say no, or they get caught with the fight. One, you're going to have them on your tail... Trying to say, nah, mate, you gave us one, you're getting stand over you. And if you're like just a bloke that wanted to make a quick bit of cash, that's going to be quite worrisome. And let's say they get caught by police. You think they're not going to roll over on you? You think they're scared of the, you know, the day to day nine to five guy that um, they'll roll over on? The only people they're interested in making sure that they don't find out is obviously other criminals dobbing them in because they know that someone's going to come back and perhaps, you know, get revenge or something like that, right? Whereas, you know, if, if I was worried about dobbing that nerd that works in nine to five, they're not worried about that. They will dob you in in a heartbeat. There's data, there's uh, you know, receipts of purchase from firearms. So like I said to people, you know, what, you either want to deal with the criminals, uh, which could stand over you at a later date if you did sell them and go, listen, give us two more, otherwise we're going to screw you up. I'd be like, oh my God, what have I got myself into? Or you can deal with the criminals getting caught dobbing you in and then possibly going to jail if that firearm was used in a crime to kill someone. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think it's a, a ridiculous statement. So we need to know where they are. I mean, we just saw Victorian police on their UHF radios, you know, um, going to his place. Hey, mate, uh, well, I'm, I'm at the house now. I'm just doing a gun check, a, a safe storage inspection for blah, 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 blah address. Mate, next week they get robbed. Unbelievable. Absolutely. Yeah, mate, I, I agree completely. Like, it's just a shopping list for criminals. And uh, the problem is, is 
you know, if you've got someone coming around, you know, from the police to do a safe inspection, you know, they come around, uh, well, up here anyway, I, I haven't heard of anyone else other than people who come around in a marked vehicle. And next minute you've got neighbours, if you live in town, going, oh, well, what were the police there for? You know, and, and it just creates that more awareness that you've got firearms. And I, I just disagree with it completely. Like, why should there be a register of my address that uh, where there's firearms, like, and the, the actual particular types of firearms I'm talking about? You, you know, like, I mean... You know, man, I'm not a sex offender. Like, why should I be kept on a register? I've I've really got an issue with that personally. We're just going to go to a quick break here on AHP Digital, and we will be right back. Don't go anywhere. It's that time of year again, and Huntfest is just around the corner. Huntfest is Naruma's premier hunting exhibition on the New South Wales South Coast. Huntfest is on this June long weekend, so don't miss out by getting your tickets early. If you want to be an exhibitor at Huntfest, then call Danfield on 02 4473 7035. Visit huntfest.com.au for more information. Huntfest, the place to be in 2016. Do you hunt deer and want to learn the correct techniques for a quality wall mount and premium eating venison? SSAA Sydney Branch provides hunter education courses to help you become a better hunter and to utilise harvested game in the most effective way possible. Course content includes gunning, butchering and caping from experienced hands-on instructors using locally harvested deer. There is no gear required and also includes a barbecue lunch. Courses are held every first Sunday of each month with an 8am sign-in for a 9am start. Course running time is approximately six hours and the venue is Silverdale Rifle Range. Cost is $50 per person, so call Andy Mallon at Silverdale Rifle Range on 02-4653-1440 or visit sssaasydney.net. There was a story, just a quick one, when I had actually happened to me too. You actually brought up a story with registration. I had a, a Stoger X-20 air rifle. <clears throat> these two detectives came to my house yeah they were friendly I asked them for ID they come in she goes <laughs> it's kind of funny I pulled out the uh Stoger and she goes oh we don't have that on the list is that registered and I said no 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 you rang me and told me you were coming so I left it in there purposely because I've got no brains like r- <laughs> really you know I said if you were coming I knew you were coming for- initially they came right and I must have been upstairs so I just in a two story house and they left a little card inside my steel front grate of my steel screen door <clears throat> rang him up and he goes mate we're sort of in the area I can come back in 45 minutes I said great order and a pizza feel free to come whenever you want came in and she says we don't have that and I said well you know ring him up it's on there it's been registered and she- I go listen would I have- if it was illegal I knew you were coming would I have left it in there? She goes, oh, good point. And then the other one was when I had a, you talking about police coming to your home. I know some people have got mixed thoughts on this where some people uh, don't like police coming to their house for which they don't know who they are. Some people just don't mind. You know, and he came to my house and we're having a good old chat and saw I was in the army previously and um, saw a photo on the wall in my garage and he goes, oh, you're in the army? I said, yeah. Started chatting. He goes, oh, you'd have loved the guy's you know, gun collection that had just before I came here started rattling off a few names and I'm like god what's he telling he's a very nice guy but I'm like what's he telling other people about my obviously there was a connection there for me being in the armed forces etc but I'm like mate what's he telling me about 
you know, what's he telling me about other people's firearms for? This is, what's he telling his mates down the shop? As I said, nice bloke, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, not all police are bad. We know that, you know what I mean? They, they do a, They do generally do a good job, but, you know, I, I, sometimes I don't feel comfortable with police being, I don't know who they are. I don't know who they're talking down at the pub to. Um, you know, I'm hoping it doesn't happen. Most of them are good, but, you know, you can't say it hasn't happened in the past, can you? No, that's right, mate. I mean, unfortunately, you've only got to watch the media and see the different news stories. And, you you know, unfortunately, you do. You see different police being charged for different things. And, um, you know, that's that's the way it goes. In every industry, there's always a handful of bad eggs, so to speak. And, uh, you know, do you know who's coming into your home and, and, and things like that? I mean, uh, you know, you see the NRA talk about it, warrantless searches, and really, when you look at it, that's what we've got with these safe inspections. You, you've basically got police coming in that don't need a warrant, and um, they just come on in and, and have a look at the collection. As you say, though, a credit to a lot of the police. I mean, you know, they'll come in, they'll be quite friendly, and, you know, they've got a job to do, absolutely. Um, but once again, I, I just disagree with it completely in terms of um, there should not be registration of firearms so that there is a list out there that has everyone's details of what particular make and model of firearm they've got. I, I just find it too sensitive to actually just have in any sort of public arena, as in like a public service I'm talking about. A couple of years ago too, I think it was... Um <laughs> the, I think it was New South Wales, I'm pretty sure, there was some security data for security officers that own firearms. They sent all those deals, out, all those details, I should say, out to people accidentally. You know, now those people's details are compromised. I've always said the only good data is no data at all. And we're seeing countries like Canada, Canada New Zealand not having a problem. Um, I just don't know when our official. I think they're just too scared to touch it, Aussie. I think they just don't want to touch anything to do with registration. And you know, what are we? What are we going to do? You think we've got a chance of getting rid of it? I think the only way that we'll get rid of it is um, if shooters all join together in future elections and actually put people in there who are going to change this sort of thing, and not just tell us with lip service oh yeah they're for you know semi-autos and rolling back the laws and all this sort of thing um yeah really rolling back the laws too is i use that term loosely because um okay yeah it's rolling back some of the laws that in my personal view shouldn't have been put there in the first place but you won't find any shooters who that i know of uh that, that that have an issue with actually having a license like i said to uh put a I guess a speed bump in a criminals and people who are mentally ill and so forth from legally going in and purchasing a firearm because we all know as you see just turn on the television of a night and you see the criminals using firearms that they've obtained illegally so whether the government just feel helpless about that and they've got to target someone um, I really don't know but uh all I can say is, you know, the whole deal with registration and the continual victimisation that we are suffering on a day-to-day basis um, has got to stop. And all shooters need to come together and vote people in who are going to actually do something for us and start tabling bills in Parliament to get Cat C back to Cat A, for example. That would be a good first step to happen. So... Who's going to do that? Who's who's introducing bills and pushing it into Parliament? Well, I'd, I'd love to see someone stand up and go, right, we're going to get Category C back to Category A or simply just allow Category C for recreational and target shooting. And um, 
let's uh, let's see someone. Let's see someone actually uh, table it, and we can get onto our local members of parliament and ask them to support that bill. That's what we need. We need someone to lead from the front foot. Mate, good, good. Uh, I think it was up here. I want to get your thoughts on that one. You know, it's pretty, pretty close to my heart. Obviously, being in the army, um, about the guy that was training. You know, this one the other day. Um, you know, big thing. Somebody called the police. Yep. Um, over, you know, guy, army guy training, uh, in the park. Yeah, I've said that probably wasn't the smartest move to be running around in cares with something that looked by a gun, that looked like a gun. Um, I probably would have said to him, listen, mate, paint that. You know, orange. Um, probably not good to be running around the pack, use your PT gear or something like that. And that would have been the end of it, told the media, listen, accidental, not a big deal, we've spoken to the person and moved on. But now not only have we decided, has the police decided to actually charge this guy um, with public nuisance, um, you know, one, it's even worse that one is a defence force member. I'm not backing that. I, I would always say regardless of who it is, it's just ridiculous. What if we had someone wanting to train out there that you know had something that looked like a gun but wasn't a gun? Um, I mean, I think we're setting up a very, very bad precedent here trying to charge someone uh, based on, one, it wasn't a firearm, and two, even more so, the guy's defending our country. I think we can give him some type of leeway, especially since he hasn't done anything wrong. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, you know, mate, obviously I wasn't there, so I don't know if there was any other circumstances surrounding it. But, you know, let's um, touch on... Um, Oh, geez, how long ago was it now? Within the last year where there was those um, three younger people having a shoot at uh, Logan Reserve there? Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. I mean, for example, like the media jumped on that, demonised them, hung them out to dry. Yet what happened? No charges laid. No charges. But was there any of these major media outlets following up on that to correct it? No, there wasn't. So the average Joe Blow that, you know, isn't into firearms may not be against firearms. And they just, you know, work each day, pay their taxes, come home and they're watching television. Well, what do they take away from that story? They take away that there was um, three people just doing shooting at Logan or Logan Reserve. They, they haven't heard the follow-up story or anything like that because none of the mainstream media followed up with what actually went on. And, and that's the big problem. So the only real sort of tool that we've got uh, at our disposal in defense of that sort of thing and I say it all the time is it's up to us individually to write letters to meet with your local members don't be afraid to meet with your local members and most of all take someone new shooting this weekend when you're going out to the range like don't be afraid to like you'll be surprised I mean you know I mean at, at the moment I'm um, I'm, uh, I'm building on my farm and, uh, you know, I'm a builder. I, I spoke to him and uh, he knows I do the channel and all the rest of it. And he goes, oh, I've really thought about, uh, you know, getting into pistol shooting. But uh, I phoned up about it one day and I never got a call back from the local club and stuff like that. And I said, hey, I'll get you sorted. And, you know, you and you'd be surprised the amount of people that actually want to give it a go. And, you know, with with what, 800-odd thousand licensed shooters here in Australia, if we only just introduced one person, like, you know, we'd have 1.6 million of us and, and, and then the numbers would get up and, and that's what I feel is the most important key strategy that we've got at each and every one of us at our disposal to do and that's what should happen. All right, mate, uh, getting into the next one. We get, we've, we've still got a lot to talk about but we're going to go through some uh, questions. Now, Sean, this is a <laughs> good old Sean, one of my regular listeners, nice guy. 
I'm probably going to be doing, actually, I'm going to be doing a podcast with him uh, while I'm here in Queensland too. So I might as well knock off a few birds with one stone while I'm here. Yes, can you ask him if he owns any clothing besides multi cams? LOL. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind the multi cams, do I? So. And, and then Carlos Cole says he must own camo undies. I can actually say I've never had camo. I've got a camo wallet, but not undies. No, uh, mate, if you find some place that sells them, let me know and I'll uh, order a pair. <laughs> but but uh, on a serious note, no, I uh, I do wear the cams a lot when I'm out doing a lot of the contract shooting or, you know, just some old sort of King G workwear stuff, um, whatever at the time, depending on the environment I'm in. But, uh, yeah, I don't mind wearing it. And uh, it's, it comes back to my old sort of saying that I've said a lot of times is uh, with exposure comes normality. And uh, that's why even when I first started the channel, you know, people were talking about, oh, you know, you shouldn't have an AR-15 as your logo. And and I said, with exposure comes normality. And now what have we got? We've got people wearing my caps left, right and centre. No one cares about it. And that's exactly the way it should be. Mate, uh, this is a good one too. AJ, um, one of my good listeners too, nice guy. How's the Ruger SR762 going? Fantastic. Hasn't uh, missed a beat. Um, I'm actually very, very keen to uh, try out OSA's new 308 ammo that they're making with 135 grain Sierra Game King. So very, very keen to see how that works through it. But uh, look, to date, never missed a beat. Um, it's taken multiple game. And uh, all I can say is, um, you know, you just got to get one. So we've got to work on those laws so everyone can get one. <laughs> Mate, do you have any bold actions? Uh, yeah, I do. Well, I got the Anschutz, the two two three. I've got the Lithgow, the LA one hundred and one. Well, what I mean is actually any just A and B category, you know, just general, you know, shooter sort of availability type firearms. Absolutely, mate. I've got plenty. Um, you know, one of my biggest things, and we spoke about that last time I was on your show. One of my biggest, um, you know, things I love doing is just plinking away with a rimfire. So, you know, like I've got an Anschutz 1710, you know, uh, 22 bolt action. Uh, I've got a couple of Rugers, naturally, being a Ruger fan. Um, I, I do have quite a few. And a lot of people think, um, you know, geez, if you had semi-autos, why would you have anything else? But, you know, as you know, Jace, I mean, you can only use them for a specific reason. So I can't just go out there and just start plinking away um, you know, just willy nilly with cat C and D because it's it's you know unless I'm siding in to try out new ammunition and work out where everything's shooting to then go and shoot on a contract, I can't legally do it. And obviously, being in the spotlight, as if I'm going to risk my licenses and everything over something so silly. So I do have a uh, big interest in the A and B stuff as well. Yeah, mate. Um, here, yeah, good one from Bradley. He's one of my good listeners, one of my regulars too. Nice guy too. Um, if you could only own one firearm for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? Very good question from Bradley. I think uh, most of my uh, viewers will answer this one straight up. Ruger 1022, hands down. Um, Which model of Ruger 1022? The takedown version? You've got the heavy barrel. You've got the, um, I think, the varmint one. You've got, uh, there's a bunch of different ones there. Well, to sort of add a bit of a spin on it, I'd actually get the Kid Custom 1022, so it wouldn't even be Ruger. So it wouldn't even... That's like a cyborg version. <laughs> it is, it is, mate. It's, um, you know, the the Kid Custom gear, I'll, I'll give them a plug. Those uh, guys, um, Tony Kids out of Texas there, and absolutely makes hands down the best 1022 stuff you can get. 
and um, I've got a uh, complete one now. I did a review of the sort of uh, Frankenstein one I had before where I actually had the Ruger receiver and a lot of the kid gear on it, but now I've actually uh, got the uh, kid receiver. I've got the whole rifle, and I tell you what, that thing actually gives my Anschutz 17, 10, 22 a run for its money. It is that accurate. So you still got that one, yeah? You still got it, yeah? Absolutely, mate. I use it all the time on contracts just for smaller stuff like, you know, rabbits and things like that. All right. I'm not sure how much of this you'd be able to say, but you can dictate what you say. It's from Carlos. Again, another awesome listener. Thanks, Carlos. Uh, how does it, we spoke about this at the start, but how does he find time to do all these reviews? How big is his property and how far can he shoot on it? Good question from Carlos. Yeah, very good question. And, you know, I, I actually don't mind uh, when people ask, you know, a bit more sort of personal questions than that because, you know, a lot of people out there do want to know different things. Uh, look, finding the time is extremely difficult. Um, one of the biggest sort of uh, handbrakes to that is the other half, and uh, it's not a matter of her saying, oh, look, I don't want to do a review, but, you know, she works a normal um, day job Monday to Friday. So when she has her weekend off, I mean, I can't take up each weekend is, you know, I've got to try to say, oh, look, can you, you come and just do some filming for an hour or, or something like that, which she knows damn well is going to be longer than an hour, but I like to sell it as an hour. Because uh, where we are now, too, you're a fair way from the, the, the farm that you're purchasing and building on that you're actually going to be living in eventually, eh? That's right, mate. So, uh, you know, um, where I'm building on the farm, uh, a lot of my reviews are on like a, um, a well, family farm, family friends, uh, where I do reviews. I do reviews on different properties, to be quite honest, but uh, my own one that I'm actually building on um, is only a smaller property. It's only 100 acres, but um, still secluded enough. I'm surrounded by very large properties. Um, I can definitely shoot there, and obviously, you know, to shoot um, recreationally, I mean, you know, you only need 40 acres to get your license up here for that reason, so 100 well and truly satisfies that. And, uh, you know, I can I can shoot pretty much what I want. I know this is not really a question. I know Sam, actually, he's a nice guy too. He, he contacts me fairly regularly. It's not really a question, but uh, it's something that we've got and no doubt you've dealt with in the future. So he goes, I suppose more people will complain about Aussie being too Americanized. Um, and I, I know Sam, don't get me wrong, he absolutely supports our rights. So I guess from what Sam said, you know what I mean? What do you say to people when they say, well, you know, Aussie, we, we, we don't need American-style gun laws here. What's your, what's your answer to that if someone would say that to you? Well, usually I say to them, what's your understanding of the uh, American gun laws? And usually the first response that I get is, well, they've got the Second Amendment. Everyone can uh, have a firearm, which couldn't be further from the truth. If you actually take the time and go to the ATF website and actually have a look, so that's alcohol, tobacco, firearms over in the U.S., so go to their website and actually have a look at who can actually legally possess a firearm. And this is a thing that people just don't understand is when you go, it doesn't matter, you go into Walmart over there, you go into any FFL or federal uh, firearm licensed uh, dealer over there, you must fill out a form, you have to undergo a FBI background check. So this um, nonsense of Obama saying we just want background checks is, is ridiculous. They've had that since 98. So they've had the background checks there. So you have to go through all the checks and balances that we do here in the sense of it's just a police check. 
you know, it doesn't matter whether the FBI do it or your, your state police do it. I mean, some states over in the US, you get double. So you'll get the state check and you'll get the FBI check. Now, this is the thing. Like, people just think that you can just go and get a firearm willy-nilly over there. You cannot legally purchase a firearm from a dealer over there without going through a check. If you have a felony conviction, in other words, a criminal conviction, you're prohibited. So if you've had a conviction over there um, that's punishable by one year imprisonment or more, you are banned for life. You cannot go in and legally purchase a firearm. Uh, If you're mentally ill, uh, you, you're prohibited as well. So it's almost like a, you know, get, not like here probably, it's a one strike and you're out, whereas I know in New South Wales, depending on the severity uh, of the issue, I think it's three months incarceration um, or you have an excludable offence. It's only excludable for 10 years. Yeah, it's life over there. Um, the only way you can do it is try to apply and uh, have the money to uh, pay for Take it. Take it off. Yeah, to, uh, to try to apply and there's no guarantee. Um, so there is actual prohibition there. And um, Now, this is the, the thing that I find funny is when people talk about these American gun laws, when you look at it, what is the difference here? I mean, we've only got the process formalized in the sense of we've actually got a card that is a license. What's the difference? I mean, we go to purchase a firearm here, so what happens? The local firearms registry put in your name into the computer and do a check. So what difference is doing a check on a computer here to what the Americans go through and have an actual FBI background check? There's absolutely no difference. It's just a check. And over there, at least they're not having to pay for the privilege of what we're Um, having to undergo here where we have to pay for a permit to acquire and here in Queensland you know roughly $35 at the time of doing this interview. Have you seen the WA uh, issues they have in WA with having to get their permits and safety certificates mate it's costing them from what I read to a guy the other day that spoke to me over $200 per firearm acquisition and then you look at their license fees as well I mean it's absolutely astronomical and they say well this is in line with just normal you know it's a user pay system or well, I don't agree with this system I don't agree I don't want to pay this money they want me to force me to pay for it and I don't want to pay for it I want to be able to free to own firearms with minimal um, you know hassle or issues with the government or the police and go about my business because I'm not the one committing crime. I'm the one that's gone through the background check, the the safety courses, everything. You know, so again, you know, just, it really doesn't make sense to me. No, exactly right, mate. And look, at the end of the day, make no mistake about it. There are a lot of anti gunners out there, even with politicians, and they honestly have to sit down and scheme up new ways to take firearms away from you. Anybody who thinks, okay, yeah, Aussie, you're way over the top, and I've had a handful of people think that. But it's funny, I haven't heard from those people now that these NFA proposals have come out, which show clearly what I've been talking about, (laughs) confiscation and disarmament from good people without any reason or justification. Like, for example, has there been anyone going on some shooting rampage with a lever-action shotgun? No. Well, why are they trying to take it away from us? So, you know, these sort of things really annoy me. But So the problem is, is we've got a lot of people who are getting into shooting, and that's scaring a lot of these politicians because, let's face it, when these 96 laws were brought in, they were made to be so hard that it was going to deter people. And that's, yeah, exactly. and that's what they thought. 
but it didn't because you've got the younger generation now who were born in like 95, 96 or even 1990 who have no recollection of any of that and they're just quite happy to jump through the hoops. So they've got to come up with new ways to uh, deter you. What a great way to deter you to up the price of everything so that you can't afford to do it. And and that's another reason why I've I've got a big problem with like permit to acquires and so registration forth. and those yep. sort of things and you know police running it. I mean, <laughs> I've emailed the police minister here in New South Wales several times and sent him a physical letter correspondence saying, please let me know if you've done a public benefit analysis on the firearms registry. Um, what crimes has it solved, mate? I've sent, oh mate. Six, with my like stapled correspondence from the previous correspondence saying you haven't responded to me. Uh, obviously, I've done this over the last two years and still can't get a response back from. Like I'm seriously considering now. I also asked him in one uh, mail correspondence what the costings were the registry for the 2013, 2014 years. Obviously, now we're still in 2015, so that can't be uh, done just yet. But I wanted the last previous two years still waiting. You know, what's this costing the taxpayer? You know, I mean, it's costing us way too much money as we can use for any anything else we could possibly use this for. You know, permits to acquire costing money. I mean, we're still in the dark ages. I mean, we're still sending permits, you know, uh, through the mail in New South Wales. We are sending applications. This should all be online. I mean, eBay and Google were doing this stuff back in, you know, 1995, <laughs> mate. I'm still sending a mail. I should be able to do this online. What I do is uh, very similar to Victoria. Actually, I'll give Victoria their Got from again, they're not got great laws, obviously, but the best of probably I think most people within uh, the states that maybe for Northern Territory, but um, they can go to the shop, do, get their permit, they come back an hour later. There's the gun because they're just all done online. I mean, why aren't we putting our permits to acquire online? Dealers have direct access to the registry. They put it through. Yep, you've got a license. Yep, we're going to tick this button. And someone there's if they have to tick button on the other end, you walk out with your firearm you know, then and there on the spot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is another thing, mate, I'd actually like to uh, touch on briefly, is this is for basically any politicians um, that are listening to this program. This is my argument with why this paper-based system with permit to acquires really needs to be scrapped. Now, I brought this up with a couple of politicians that I met with, and it was really like I had turned a light on in their head when I'd given this example. Here in Queensland, we get a permit to acquire. It lasts for six months. It's a paper-based system. So in other words, it gets sent out to me. I've got it in my possession. Any time in that six months, I can pretty much walk into any dealer and uh, cash it in, so to speak, for whatever firearm. We don't actually have to put the model uh, of the firearm down or the make, so we can just get a blanket category. Same same as us, yeah. A, B, uh, permit to acquire. So if, for example... In that six months, say I move and um, I don't tell police where I've moved to, I don't update my address so they don't know where I am. Then in that uh, six-month period, I go to some mosque and I become radicalised and I suddenly have the urge where I want to do harm to people all in the name of uh, whatever extremist view that I have. How are you, meaning the politicians, the lawmakers, how are you going to get that permit to acquire back off me? You can't cancel it. It's paper-based. So this is my argument for, as a first step, 
it should be instant. So when we go into a uh, into a gun shop, into a firearms dealer, and we yeah, pr- right, and we yeah. produce our actual license, there should be an instant check right there and then. So if there has been any sort of intelligence that's been passed on to police um, where some person oh, is at risk, yep. it is an instant no straight away. Not me walking in with an archaic six month paper-based permit to acquire. Good, I've got a good question. But what if I said I was in there? Let's say they oh, they came to my house to seize my firearms. I had a permit to acquire. And they go, oh, we're seizing your firearms. Where's your license? I said, oh, I've lost it. I lost it last week. I was actually going to ring up this week and get it. Right? They take the firearms. I've got the license somehow sitting upstairs in the car, wherever it may be. I then go down to the gun shop, present my license and my permit to acquire and get another gun. What's stopping me from doing that? Yeah, good point, mate. Um, I mean, I, I... You know, you said six months I've got to get... Well, that'd probably happen the same as New South Wales. There's no way to cancel that permit. I bought a gun about, um, what, just before I went to the Ducks, I bought a side-by-side. He was writing it in the paperwork. So by the time he registers that on the system, I've already walked out with that firearm. It's gone. That's right. Yeah, exactly that right. That firearm can go anywhere. Even if I was going to get in trouble, they can say, where's that firearm? Oh, I don't know, mate. I'm not sure. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, that puts me back to my previous example when I spoke about the Anschutz 223. I mean, you know, taking that long to register to your license, to me, like I say, this is only my personal viewpoint on it. I'm happy to, you know, stand corrected if there's some other explanation. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, you, we keep being told it's all about public safety. So if it's all about public safety, tell me the public safety benefit in taking, you know, just over a year to register something to my license. Like, where's the public safety benefit if they're that far behind? Unbelievable, eh? Mate, and we'll talk about before, I don't think we sort of got into the question where, you know, again, people are afraid to, to say things about getting our gun rights back, um, you know, saying, oh, you know, you can't ask for it all in one go or you can't ask for you know, AK-47s or whatever it may be. Um, you know, there's been... Now, I won't mention any sort of specifics now because we've, we've said it on previous shows and stuff and people can listen to. But, you know, there's people out there that are saying, you know, well, yeah, and, and, and you know, that it's supposed to be pro-firearm, saying, well, you know, yeah, I, I, you know, these laws are okay. Um, you know, we don't need these types of firearms in the hands of the average citizen, um, you know, and supposed to be supporting my gun rights as whether they're organisations or whether it's our political parties, you know, is this is this helping our cause? No, definitely not. Um, you know, it does frustrate me endlessly, Jace. You know, it um, annoys me because of one simple thing. If you say, oh, we don't need these firearms or they shouldn't be uh, able to be accessed by licensed shooters, you are immediately admitting that we, the licensed shooter, are a problem and we, the licensed shooter, need to be monitored scrutinized and all the other nonsense that goes with it and um, you know this is why I don't compromise and a lot of people say you know uh, just like you know Sam was saying Sam Scott there yeah you know um, a lot of people will criticize that I've become too Americanized well no I haven't become too Americanized I see it for what it really is and um, you know you don't admit that you're the problem when you're simply not the problem I mean once again today, what, another 800,000 licensed shooters didn't go out killing anyone, didn't go out holding up a 7-Eleven with their pistol that they use at the local range or anything like that. 
I honestly think, and I'm sure I mentioned this on the show previously, my view on this is we as licensed law-abiding shooters should actually be rewarded for our years of law-abiding service to the community. And what I mean by that is we haven't um, been a burden to the taxpayer or anything like that by uh, breaking laws and, and, and having uh, taxpayers pay for us in prison or anything like that. We, we, there's none of that. We are just normal, everyday people and uh, you know, from different various walks of life. And, and we should be rewarded for that. And the reward that I'm asking for politicians to give us is, fair enough, yep, keep your license uh, system in. No dramas there. That's not a problem. But allow people to have access to uh, semi-automatic you know, shotguns, rimfires, semi-automatic centerfires. I mean, in the template letter, I put there exactly what I would like to see and why. And um, I stand by that 110%. Mate, getting on to the next question, this was always, you did a crowdfunding, uh, what would you call it, um, campaign, <laughs> couldn't think of it then, yep. crowdfunding campaign, uh, there was some, you obviously done many reviews on YouTube, now people are starting to, you know, because of professional ability, starting to use your videos uh, on their actual media outlets, so I think it was Channel 9 if I'm correct, etc, and a few others which you'll explain in a second, uh, I know you're potentially now you run a, the campaign you got fifteen or sixteen thousand dollars to pursue some of these media outlets in court so i guess be, give us a bit of a background where you're currently at what's happened what the story was so the listeners know exactly what we're sort of talking about yeah sure mate no problem basically what had happened was uh it, it was fans of mine that uh, brought it to my attention sending messages saying hey aussie your uh, footage of the adler is on television as we speak so I thought, oh, geez, okay, they've they got to be mistaken, surely. And then I turned it on and I saw on the verdict program there, um, you know, sure enough, it was uh, me using the Adler shotgun and they were debating in a, a very negative way, um, using my footage to suggest, well, this is these sort of weapons need to be banned. And uh, obviously I took offence to that and then uh, to make things worse, the very next, uh, I think the next day or next couple of days there, on their Facebook page, the verdict had um, used one of my images of me shooting the shotgun and thrown their logo on it as well. <laughs> so it, it was a bit of an insult. And I actually put on there, um, you know, made the comment, tag them in so that they would definitely see it and uh, be alerted to it. Who gave you permission to do this? Like under no circumstances have I ever given permission to any media outlet to use my footage and uh, anyhow obviously I got no response and then it went on from there there were a couple other outlets that used it and uh, it was funny because um, the amount of people that were actually putting comments on there in support of me even people who weren't even into firearms who were actually really annoyed that some average Joe Blow had their uh, hard work ripped off and then manipulated and used by these outlets so I thought, well, okay, um, and I was, uh, I was approached by uh, two friends, um, uh, David Brown and uh, Simon Patterson. Simon runs his own law firm, and uh, he said, have you thought about taking uh, legal action? And I said, look, I'm, I'm not in a position to do that. I'm, I'm just simply not, uh, money-wise. And uh, anyhow, they said, well, look, um, you're happy to leave it with us, basically, and um, and uh, if we can get permission through FundMe, um, GoFundMe, um, would you be happy to uh, go ahead with something? I said, well, absolutely, if there's an avenue there. Absolutely, because uh, I look at it as, um, you know, someone's got to retaliate and, uh, and speak up 
you know, with this sort of thing. I mean, I look at it as an overall insult to shooters Australia wide with what's happened. So that's when I thought, well, okay, I'll do a quick post on a video and see if there's much uh, sort of interest and response, which there was, like you say, you know, fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars. Now, before anyone goes, well, you know, and we've there's always a handful of uh, people. Here with, we go. Yeah, negativity. <laughs> uh, people who think that, uh, yeah, I've pocketed the money. Well, guess what? I actually haven't seen one cent of it because I didn't start the GoFundMe account. David Brown started it. And the money gets transferred straight into um, uh, Patterson Law, into their trust fund. So I don't see a cent of it. All I'm doing is giving the nod to go ahead and uh, go ahead with legal action there. So, um, so I, I gave some money too. I know that. I think I did uh, twenty or thirty bucks. I know it was only short, but you know, I guess thanks to all the people that you know, it's important, isn't it? Really important to make a statement. Mate, absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of people have asked me what I want and things like that. Um, look, there's several avenues, but we've really got to see what the solicitors come back with. Um, when I met with uh, one of the IP specialists uh, in copyright, they said, yeah, no, there's definitely an avenue of approach there. You've definitely got uh, something we can pursue. Um, because that's what I wanted to do was get my homework on it before I went ahead and said, well, hey, look, let's uh, I'll agree to the funding. Um, I wanted to make sure we had our homework and, and, and everything uh, done. So, look, that's not a guarantee I'll definitely win. Definitely not. But at the end of the day, someone's got to lead from the front foot and actually try to at least attempt to hold these people accountable. And uh, hopefully that's what we can get. I mean, I'd, I'd certainly like to see of a number of outcomes. Um, one of them is I'd certainly like to see a uh, public apology to me. Uh, for using the footage and um, and not even approaching me. I mean, I, I just, as I said, find it a complete insult. But uh, where it's at at the moment, I know I've had a, a few people quite interested and, and naturally so. Um, look, it's the Christmas period. Most people are closed down now. Um, it's still with the solicitors. Um, I don't know what the response is at this stage. So uh, as soon as I find anything out, um, Simon Patterson said that uh, he'll pass on some updates and everything that can obviously be publicly uh, released. So when that happens, and obviously uh, we'll pay, um, you know, post it on the Facebook page. Mate, a lot of people, especially too on the verdict, you saw that, um, which a lot of people saw. You know, Bob Catter was on there. Um, you know, and how do you, <laughs> I was watching it first off, and I didn't realise what was actually happening until the guy came on that. The poor, poor guy that uh, lost his whole family at Port Arthur. I mean, obviously, from there on, you know, I wouldn't know of what to have done because one, I, I wouldn't been expecting that. I'm not sure if Bob Catter knew about it. Uh, but how do you come back from that when, for ten minutes before you're going to have this debate? And mind you, the funny part there was. Um, Mark Latham. Mark Latham said, oh, these guns are ridiculous. He said a bunch of comments. I don't even think Mark Latham, from the things he's been up to in the past, would even be eligible to hold a firearms license. So it's interesting that the best people and the most law-abiding people in the community, uh, I mean, Mark Latham, I mean, last time I checked, he was, he was punching on with people. So, I mean, um, ha- my question is, how do you come back from that? How would you have addressed that? I mean, Bob, did, I think, did a great job for the under the pump that he was in, you know, you bring out a Port Arthur victim that lost his wife and two girls. What do you do, man? What do you do? Yeah, well, I would have uh, adopted David Lionhelm's approach and um, and and simply said, and quite compassionately too, uh, you know, look, it's a, it, it is a, a tragedy that you've uh, lost your family, but just because you lose your family to a um, to a shooting doesn't make you an expert in firearms. It's as simple as that. I mean, if I was to walk out the front of uh 
you know, someone's house and get run over by a car, does that make me an expert in uh, motor vehicle accidents? Well, well, no, it doesn't. That just means that I've been a victim of it. Um, so, you know, some people may think that's a little bit callous, but it's certainly not uh, meant to be like that. You've got to look at the hard facts here. Um, just because I get operated on, am I a, suddenly a doctor? You know, like... Do you think people that have gone through this stuff... Um, you know, have authority to dictate public policy? Well, look, definitely when they don't have any understanding of the workings of firearms, and from what I saw from that show, um, everyone on that panel apart from uh, Bob had very, very limited knowledge. I mean, even some of the female members there, you know, like getting confused with pump action, lever action, and and they really didn't know, and it was just this massive emotional argument and uh you know it it was disappointing um you know because yeah okay bob was sort of bombarded from all sides there and uh but i sort of felt and it's easy to do it because you know you're sitting at home you're sitting in in your lounge chair and you go oh well what about this i would have said this or i would have said that but we can all say that but until you're actually you know uh put to the test under the pump yeah, would have been tough yeah it would have been tough it would have been tough i just think you know just i don't know where you come from that would have been very difficult mate just going on from um next year well this or actually yes next year in 2016 do you think and i've got a lot of emails i always read them out uh, on my straight shooting podcast with mario people that have got motivated by what you're doing what i'm doing pro-gun fighters that are interested in gun rights and before we go into that question i think like people seem to think oh gun rights and we said about america i know we don't want to go over it again but that somehow if we get these rights you know it's going to be detrimental to us i mean i think gun rights are absolutely hunting's fantastic you know that shooting's fantastic the shooting sports you know different disciplines but i mean i think gun rights are at the forefront because without that we don't have hunting there's no point worrying about hunting and shooting and target if you don't have any firearms what's your thoughts what do you think yeah exactly i mean mate and it comes back to this whole argument you know and you guys have covered it on your show there uh, both mario and yourself but this whole you know right versus privilege and all this sort of thing and uh you know i'll, I'll just touch on my personal and, yeah do you disagree with me on that i know some people keep continually that this is the funny part. They don't listen to the show and they continually they come on my page or someone else's, not directly towards me, but I see regular posters, which, you know, they're great. Well, I thought that was some of them were great listeners. And then going, oh, no, it's a, it's a privilege and everything. We've gone through cases where the police have tried to say, well, we don't like the look of this particular person, tried to remove their, suspend their firearms license first. It's ended up in the Administrative Decisions Tribunal. Uh, and subsequently, the police have lost because they don't have a criminal record. They also haven't looked up the definition of right versus privilege for a start. And someone did say to me, it was quite funny, um, a couple of months ago, oh, well, you're just using the definition to your advantage. I go, Matt, is there another definition I don't know about? Um, what do you mean? I'm using the English definition, the, the, the dictionary definition. I mean, what's your thoughts on rights versus privilege? I, I'm talking about, I know we don't have a Second Amendment right. I've said that. I, again, people that listen to the show know exactly what I'm talking about. So what's your thoughts on rights versus privilege for gun owners in Australia? Just because we don't have a Bill of Rights doesn't mean that we don't have rights to access firearms and a whole range of other things as well we have a right to go camping for example it's not written into our constitution is it but we still have a right to go and do that we have a right to go and purchase a motor vehicle 
you know, it doesn't have to be written into a constitution to be a right in your country. And uh, this is what sort of uh, frustrates me with it. Um, you know, people do seem to think that it's a privilege. Um, okay, perhaps it could be construed as you feel privileged to, to have firearms, but it is your right, just like anybody else who doesn't have criminal history who's eligible to apply for a license to go and do that. So 110%, mate, I, I, I agree. It's, it is a right. It's not a privilege because if you believe it's a privilege, well, it's your privilege to go and purchase a motor vehicle, go, go camping, go fishing, and, you know, where does it stop? Mate, agreed too. I just, you know, again, it always shows when people sometimes don't listen to the show, they say this stuff. I'm like, listen to the show. Like, you don't have to listen to all of it. Listen to what, I guess, interests you in, in, in what we're offering. But, I mean, I don't know how I'm using the dictionary definition to suit my cause. I mean, we've read out cases upon cases where tribunals have lost these cases. Um, uh, you know, it's just, I mean, I think it's a right. You're over the age of 18, no criminal record with a, an offence that would exclude you from owning a firearm you have a right to own a firearm. If we're talking about a blanket ban of firearms, well, we're talking about a completely different story. But getting on to the next one, I think you'll find this interesting. I just thought about it when we were having a chat, the new customs regulations. Uh, very good one. Um, we just heard that the other day. I don't know what's happened. Customs seem to be getting a bit more friendly. I'm not sure if it's the politicians or the AG's department um, saying about that we can now get folding stocks. Uh, we can also have, yep. um, you know, the the was it flick knife or what do they call them? What the knives again as well? I'm not. Yeah, the one handed opening knives. Yeah, yep. I mean, oh, of course, they're just like an assault knife. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> heaven forbid, oh, the flick knife. Like I had this conversation before we get onto that. I had this conversation with a friend too the other day. We'll talk about um, crossbows. And I saw this crossbow. And I thought, shit, that thing's huge. You know what I mean? Like, where would you conceal a forty inch wide crossbow? <laughs> you know yet. Compound bows, hey, not a problem. Oh, no, those crossbows, watch out for them. They're concealable. I mean, ridiculous. Oh, well, you know, mate, uh, crossbow is uh, very popular now because uh, after the Walking Dead series has been on TV, you know, Daryl Dixon, uh, he uses one. So, um, you know, I can understand the uh, increased sales. (laughs) Yeah, watch out for those um, zombies. We can't can't possibly use them against zombies, I mean. Yeah, no, it's uh, look, it is funny, mate, but uh, it was... Look, touching on the customs thing, it was a win for the good guys. That's the way I look at it. And when I posted about it, um, I think it sort of inspired a few more people to write letters and and do things like that. And I mean, this is the most um, best example that I could give in recent times is why you need to continue on your fight for, for your rights. Because look, if people didn't kick up a stink about it, they wouldn't have changed it. They don't change things out of the goodness of their heart. The only reason they change things is because members of parliament actually get complaint letters and a number of people complaining on a particular issue. And that's when they go, well, geez, you know, we probably have to have a look at changing this. So, yeah, we've got that. There's a couple other changes in there too. Um, but I'd like to have a bit more of a yeah, look at yeah. it closer. I haven't had a full look at it yet. What's off yeah. it? I'm just the major two that I saw in one of the uh, one of the news articles that I read, like you know, folding stocks. I mean, some of the media outlets are out there already a little bit saying, "Oh, well, you know, why do we need these?" You know, I mean, it's just. I mean, we live in a country. We have a right to, you know, pursue our interests in this country. I mean, folding stocks. What are we going to do? Um, we know people, even with other stocks anyway, cut them down, whether they're wooden or they're you know made from plastic. People are just cutting them down. So 
by not allowing people like me, laws I always think are just for after the fact to punish someone. Like as I said, if someone wants to go out and do something bad and they're really hell-bent on doing that, they just simply will. So That's right. And, and yeah. I, don't, I don't want to do anything wrong because I'm just not that way inclined. So how does that law stop me from doing that? If I was going to do it, I just would. That's right, mate. It, it's exactly right. And I mean, look, the folding stock issue is is just... Honestly, I think that's just coming from Hollywood, you know, with assassin movies when they've got a folding stock or or some sort of, and I use this term loosely, a sniper system or a sniper platform um, that's in a suitcase in <laughs> numerous bits, and you know they put it all together. But oh, you know, at shooting the, from a rooftop at six kilometres, exactly. I mean, and and that's what it is. It's, it's pure just uh, movies, and um, you know, it's just fiction. But, uh, you know, looking at that folding stock issue, I mean, what is the issue provided that once that stock gets folded, the firearm still stays over the minimum lengths required for that particular category? So up here, like, for example, up to 75 centimetres is your cat H. So if you've got a folding stock on a firearm and once you fold it, it's still above 75 centimetres and it's still in that same category, what's the issue? I mean, I mean, there's there's absolutely no issue. Apparently, somehow it can be uh, "quote unquote" concealable. Exactly. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, even looking at this Adler um, shotgun. I mean, this was one of the other conversations I had with one of the other uh, federal uh, police, and uh, you know, I asked him about, well, what's the concern with this Adler? And he said, well, you know, look, um, criminals can use it. And I said, okay. I said, well, to your knowledge, what do uh, what do criminals do with firearms? Um, you know, to, to conceal them. And he says, well, they cut them down. I said, okay, so cut the stock off. And he said, yeah. I said, so cut the barrel down. He said, yeah. I said, okay. I said, look, just bear with me here. I said, I'm, I'm just trying to understand where you're coming from and be fair to the debate we were having. I said, so, all right, so what happens with a lever-action firearm when you cut the stock down? How are you going to action that firearm? Because you don't have your shoulder to rest it against. How, how are you going to do it? You're going to have to like hold the top of the stock with one hand and with the other hand manipulate the action. And he said, well, yeah, oh, look, I can see your point. I said, okay, so what happens then when we cut the barrel down? I said, so say, for example, we've cut it down to, I don't know, like 15 centimetres or something like that. Pretty, we put a bit of a massive kick on it, a lot of powder, a lot of, lot of, yep. lot of blast, fire action at the end. Yep, so the biggest thing is what? What have we got running under the barrel with a lever-action firearm? We've got the magazine. So I said to him, so what happens if we cut it down to 10 centimetres or 15 centimetres? What happens to the, the capacity? And it, honestly, it was like a light bulb went on in his yeah, head. Point, and I point. said, well, this is my argument with over this whole seven-round, five-round Adler shotgun. Like, all you're doing is making laws that is directly affecting the license and the law abiding because in your own words, if a criminal gets their hands on one of these, they're going to cut it down. So, you know, we were able to have a little bit of a win with that one. Um, you know, it, it, it worked out reasonably well. What about people? Do you... <laughs> The whole thing about this is I've actually, I can't remember the last time somebody's used a lever action firearm that I actually recall in a media article uh, in a crime. Can you, can you think of anyone? No, I, I can't, mate. And this is the thing. I mean, there might be, but I, I don't yeah. think I know about any. I've five years. I've been doing this, maybe a bit longer now. 
And I don't know one single time they've actually used a lever action in a crime. Yeah, I know. It's just, to me, I mean, like like I said, mate, I'm happy to stand corrected. I mean, I, I don't know either, but you certainly don't see any, you know, in the in the news and the media. I mean, every time, I mean, geez, I remember from years ago, you know, uh, doing some security training. I remember like, you know, you'd, you'd have different videos and stuff they'd show you. And, you know, it was always like the sawn off double barrel shotgun. You know, that was like the bank robbers preferred tool <laughs> side by side yeah you know this sort of thing and and that and that's what you've got to look at i mean you know criminals who are wanting to conceal things i mean are they going to try to conceal a uh, long distance you know like a, a ruger precision rifle for example i mean that's probably something we can talk about there i mean um you know it's got a folding stock so therefore it was prohibited previously now there may be an option there, but if customs do their usual trick and uh, pull the cosmetic appearance uh, policy, then uh, they'll say, "Oh, it looks cat D, so we'll ban it." It just and that doesn't matter that it's still a bolt action. And this is one thing I've got a massive problem with. It is this cosmetic oh, appearance. Yeah, looks. Thing. I want to. What's your thoughts on looks of firearms dictating what category they should be in? Just absolutely ridiculous. It, to me, it's like I say once again, mate. It's only my own personal view. Um, I have no, uh, you know, real sort of research or evidence into it. But I, I just look at it in in layman's terms and 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 just like just common sense like if you've got a bolt action who cares if it's in a chassis that looks similar to an ar or whatever how does that um increase the risk to public safety over a normal firearm that doesn't have like a pistol grip stock or something i mean niowa brought it up in their uh, niowa tv about wa police yeah, i was going to ask you about that well even a lot of people said too that oh they <clears throat> some people are, which i think completely ridiculous niowa have a right to advertise their firearm Right to category A firearms owners, I think it is, which is perfectly legitimate because that's what it comes under. Now, I guess Niowa, not from me, obviously, but uh, from uh, people in the shooting community, oh, Niowa shouldn't have put that up. They've created this problem for us. This is you know their fault. Uh, w- what's your thoughts? And I think it's ridiculous personally because they have a right to you know advertise their shotgun. Do you think it brought any unwanted attention onto the this particular firearm? I think, uh, look, I posted about this exact thing, Jace. I mean, when it first came out, yeah, there was a lot of attention uh, from good and bad, you know, the, the anti-side and the pro-gun side. But one thing I put a link to was uh, to um, uh, the results of the last um, police minister's meeting in 2005. That's how long ago it was, so 10 years ago now. And they had proposals there about new categories that they wanted to introduce. And it was already there, along with a whole lot more uh, that we're seeing now in these NFA proposals. And that was the argument I put to people on my Facebook pages. Don't blame Niowa. Like, they're not doing anything wrong here. And these sort of restrictions were there long before it. I mean, and people have said the same thing to me. Like, oh, you know, like, if you do, like, a bit of a rapid fire test or or something on a firearm, you're just uh, inviting that unwanted attention. Well, look, I agree and disagree. I agree that, okay, if there's any antis that come on, well, yeah, that's unwanted attention. I don't want that attention. However, I make no apologies for being a licensed shooter and doing something that I am completely legally entitled to do. And and that's the same way I, I feel about the whole Niowa thing. We cannot run and hide. There is no point in hiding things uh, from these people because they are coming for your firearms no matter what. It's been proven beyond doubt 
with these NFA proposals on what they want. They want the high-caliber restrictions, so they want to see 338 Lapuas, four, uh, 416 Barrett, 50 cals. They want the lot gone. So that's one of the things. They want magazine limits. So, um, you know, here in Queensland, I'd imagine look out Category A because we've got no mag limits for Category A. That'll be something they'll try to hit as well. Then they're going to try to hit the cosmetic appearances. So any of the Ruger chargers in the Nordic component um, chassis kits, all that sort of stuff, that's what I believe that they'll hit. Like I said, I've, you know, I've got not, uh, no hard evidence other than what I've seen in the proposals, but this is the way they work. And, and no matter what you do, they're going to come and try to take your firearms from you. Make no doubt about it. Let's just have a look at what's happened since 1996 to date. Name one restriction that we have had lifted other than these folding stocks yeah, and, yeah. and the knives. Name one restriction that we've had lifted or turned back in our favor. Absolutely none. We just continually lose, 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 and they just take, 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 take. And what shooters need to wake up and realize is our gun cake, so to speak, is only so big. And the more that they take pieces from it, the more and more we're going to lose and eventually we're going to run out of cake. Some people say like when we, we talk about this stuff, like, you know, the, the different types of firearms that, you know, you use in your business that, oh, if we ask for this, you know, wouldn't, you know we're not going to get it or we're going to be looked at as being crazy. I mean, if we try and, in my opinion, if we try and hold on to what we have, we are going to lose it. There's no doubt about that. And second question to that, what do you think about the NFA review we're just talking about? Do you think it's going to be um, good for shooters? I mean, we've seen, you know, federally some of our pro-gun parties trying to put a stop to at least put a sunset Claudius, a lion helm, etc. You know, whether that's going to have any benefit, I don't know. How much pull he's going to have in Parliament could be a lot, could be none. We just don't know yet. Um, and obviously they're trying to get past the election next year before they actually announce this. So what's your thoughts on, I guess, those two things? Well, the information I got back here on the state level here in Queensland was due to the amount of complaints from shooters about this NFA, that is why the Premier has told the police minister, no, we are rejecting the NFA. Now, it's going to come back up for discussion, obviously, in 2016 in April, so once again, the Andes will be dancing in the blood of victims from Port Arthur to try to push through on an emotional basis everything they want with these proposals. But it's absolutely imperative that every one of the uh, listeners to this show, everyone who's a shooter, you must meet with your local member. And for those of you who find it intimidating, honestly, read my Facebook page, read the people who have actually met with their local members, and they've come away like nine times out of ten, extremely positive. And they thought, oh, geez, I didn't think I'd have that sort of cooperation or understanding or friendliness from my local member. And, you know, it is important to do that. And when you start doing it in numbers, I mean, I know of one politician here in Queensland who said, I've had 20 complaints a day from shooters on average about this NFA. And that's yeah, why good. that's why they're completely hell-bent on making sure that we don't adopt it because they basically don't want their office 
being hounded all the time with these complaints. And and it just shows the importance, Jace, of, of it, it's just absolutely imperative. I know I keep going on about it, but it is so important, guys. You've got to meet with your local members. You've got to write those letters. And if you don't get a reply, don't give up. Yeah. Make the appointment. Go in. Sit down with them and, and turn up. Dress neatly. Say, look, I'd like to discuss this. You don't have to uh, yell and scream, carry on like a lunatic, swear, or anything like that. You can be assertive and, and stand up for what your rights are. But give examples to these politicians because, look, a lot of them, and you need to understand that a lot of them don't have the experience with firearms, so don't go in there and just start talking categories and everything. Explain it in layman's terms. Um, you know, Take your time to un- make sure that they understand where you're coming from and don't just bombard them with uh, you know heaps of information. Take it slow with them, but make your uh, message clear and to the point. It's interesting. I remember I had an interview. I don't vote Labor, but I made I made him think I did. <laughs> John Robertson in uh, my local uh, area of Blacktown. Um, so I had a meeting with him about two years ago. This was about the Game Council, and he was yep. the leader of the opposition. He subsequently ended up standing down after the uh, Sydney siege, where he actually wrote up a a um, what would you call it a positive letter for Man Modus and obviously people found out about it he stood down then Luke Foley took over but I remember when I met him I, I was pretty pretty full on with him and I said you know told him all the stories what I shoot uh, there's you know a few thousand gun owners in the in this area they're not happy with the current situation and uh, subsequently while we lost and Liberal got it through with the help of the Greens etc um, you know Labor voted against the abolishment of the game counts I'm not saying I had anything to do with that. But at least the leader of the leader of um, the the Labor Party, the current or not the obviously state government, but he's the leader of of my local area, so he's in Parliament, and they Labor ended up voting against it and voting against the Liberal Party, who obviously was in there when Barry O'Farrell was in there. But you know, it just goes to show you can if you get in there and do do things, it might be the difference, you know, of you know having a win sometimes. In this situation, we didn't, but it, it just goes to show that Labor voted against the abolishment of the Game Council. And I think getting in there and making your voices heard is just, it's, it's so important. I mean, I don't give up, and I, I can't stress that to everyone, and I'm sure Aussie would agree, not to give up. When I don't get a response, I love that. I just get my correspondence again, I get a new one, I staple it and say, hey, you didn't respond to my last one on such and such a date. Katrina Hodgkinson's office in regards to the Game Council, eventually I was hearing from her direct chief of staff. Uh, and towards the last one, they were pretty much like, well, if, if this is it, this is going to finalise <laughs> finalize your correspondence because basically they were sick of hearing me. And I think all the shooters made a huge difference in that respect. And that's why we probably now still have a form of public land hunting. If Barry O'Farrell had his way, we would never have got back into... Uh, state forests you know what i mean we'd never have got back into it you know we yep. we lost the the you know the original idea of what the um, national park hunting was supposed to be subsequently we got nothing or we got a, a, you know, sorry if i can say it, a pitiful version that's now run through national parks and wildlife service i mean just duck hunting now especially in new south wales under the rice mitigation program is so much better under the dpi you can now hunt at night uh, you can use decoys, dogs, where all these things before were just banned. So I'm just glad that at least it's it's actually still going. I wonder if that's something you guys can push for up here, um, public land hunting based on you know, the, the New South Wales model and based on the Victorian models. Yeah, I think you got a good point there. I mean, especially when we've got other states to um, use as examples. 
So if there's any negativity to it, we can look at um, other states and go, well, what problems have they got? That sort of thing. So uh, look, overall, I think, um, look, anything's possible. But like you say, people have got to get up. They've got to get out and do it. But it's no longer too a... uh, a party issue in the sense of um, look I've met with quite a few um, Labor uh, politicians up here and to be quite honest Jace I was very very surprised I mean one of the one of the biggest um, supporters was uh, Nikki Boyd one of the uh, ALP members up here uh, lovely lady you know very down to earth and actually took the time to uh, speak with me like three and a half hours we spoke for you know on the first meeting and uh just really understood where I was coming from with a lot of things. And, um, yeah, that's all we ask for is, is a fair go, fair representation. So what I'm trying to say is, look, it's not, you know, just, oh, okay, my local member's a Labor member, I'm not even going to bother. No, no, that's not how it works. Even within the party, there's people who are for and against firearms. And you, it's your job as a shooter to find out, what their views are and the only way that you're going to achieve that is actually make the appointment go along and uh and speak to them and discuss your concerns where do you think um obviously we have our pro-gun parties where do you think the major decisions lie um i've had some uh, someone emailed me the other day and said ultimately the changes will lie with the two major parties um, meaning they're the only ones that can really make changes to the current system uh obviously i mean as you said labor surprisingly at at some points hasn't supported firearms but at other points has um yeah and we know and but then they would be considered the democrats in the u.s uh whereas our liberal party here would be like the republicans yet right there i, I feel i've not that i've ever voted um liberal never voted liberal in my life but I like policies from all different parties in regards to some of their policies, obviously not involving firearms. But as soon as firearms is pretty much from the major two that really don't at their core support, I just can't vote for them. Yeah, I agree, mate. It's um, Look, it's it's a bit uh, dismal when you look at it um, in that way. But look, it's the unfortunate truth. But this is the thing that it's so important is to get these uh, minor party representatives uh, in power we're given the opportunity who are pro-firearm because, well, let's face it, up here, I mean, the Cata Party, like, state-wise, we've only got two members um, in power up here. But from what uh, Robbie Catter and Shane Knuth have done with this NFA is a lot, a lot more than they would even be uh, admitting they're quite modest. And, mate, I can tell you they have been doing a lot. They've been meeting with members of the ALP, Liberal, and things like that to get people on side with their views on rejecting the NFA. So a lot's been going on there. Um, and, and this is the thing. If you can get one or two, three or four, you know, five or six um, people um, in politics who support our views on everything, mate, that's a, that's a massive change because you've all of a sudden got a voice in the parliament and they can influence other members by saying well look you know uh, for example with licensed shooters I mean they can say well look they're not the problem here's the evidence so at least you've got that information out there in parliament rather than what we've seen historically where there's just absolute silence on the side of licensed shooters and everyone just keeps talking about uh, crime rates and criminals and just making that connection that I really have an issue with that uh, we're somehow just criminals just waiting to go bad. Yeah. Well, getting back, I don't think we spoke about it before, but I know getting back to the NFA, what do you think is going to come out of it? What do you think? 
Mate, I think the only good, thing... Good that, or bad. Yeah, look, I think, uh, well, overall, look, it, it's bad because this is only what I'd personally like to see. I'm saying bad because I'd like to see it uh, change so we've at least got Category C back to Category A as a first step. Um, you know, semi-auto, semi-auto centre-fires, we should have access to that under sports target and recreational shooting, in my view. So bad in that sense that we're not going to see that. But any Any detrimental changes from... So the federal government, we need to update technology, you know, because, you know, oh, yeah, I forgot the lever action is a, you know, what, 240 or 200. Yeah. I, again, if anyone knows, please feel free to send it me. But it's over 100-year technology, yeah. longer, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, they want to now make changes. So some people are saying, well, the Adler in all forms is going to be gone, so there could be a buyback. Some people are saying, no, the Adler will stay in the, you know, in the five shot situation uh and the seven will definitely be banned what do you think yeah i think mate the um uh the adler will end up being the five shot as i said before maybe maybe the seven shot will will come in i'm not sure um but i think really that's probably the only thing that's going to happen at this stage it's really up to the states i mean a lot of people have said to me oh look their state member has got back to them and said oh look this isn't a state issue it's a federal issue and they've palmed them off that way funny how they ban the uh i said this to my mate two miles i said um you know funny how they ban the adler overnight and they said oh no because everyone goes oh no, no it's a state issue i'm not sure what we can do funny how they ban the adler literally overnight when they that's wanted right. to make changes that's right, mate, and uh, you know it's definitely a state issue because what happens when the NFA is decided, each of the states have to adopt it. So that's where it's our job as shooters to meet with local members and say, no, um, we want you to reject the NFA. Um, you know, if if you reject the NFA, um, you've got our vote and, and make it very clear. the The big issue, though, is um, look. It's only going to uh, delay them from coming back another time. But let's just hope we've got uh, more organisations on board who are going to be very assertive in uh, you know, fighting for our gun rights and uh, basically getting us what we should be entitled to. Do you to. think they will be? What do you have to say to the organisations? What do you want from them? What I want is uh, true representation of the members. Um, let's face it, you go to a range there. Yeah, sure, you'll get a couple of apathetic shooters. But in general, shooters are pretty pretty peeved at what happened in 96 and they still carry that with them now and mainly because uh, most people who are handing in you know um, uh, family heirlooms like uh, you know their semi-auto 22 for no reason other than um, look we're just we've banned them now and they're having to get rid of things that had real not only uh, sentimental value to them but uh, historical value as well and uh, you know people like that at the ranges are, are still annoyed and and rightfully so. So, you know, I want organisations to listen to their members on the ground, not just listen to a select few, and actually start getting aggressive, um, start becoming political, because unfortunately, we've all been backed into a corner where, look, I've never been political before any of this, but I've been backed into a corner where if I want to keep my firearms, I've had to stand up and do something. Otherwise, I might as well just go and hand them all in now. Mate, what do you think about... I'm not going to mention specifics, but there certain, might be certain organisations, people out there. That this is what I've heard, actually. Very interesting. They they support pistols, which I do too. I've, I've got a pistol myself. Great, great sport. Um, that They sit there and they, they would advocate for pistol rights, which is fantastic, mind you. But then in the next breath, say, oh, no, no, no. 
No semi-automatic rifles. I mean, that's just, no, that's way too much. Why would you want those back? So I'm talking about being philosophically correct because we all know it's a fact that, well, last time I checked, I haven't seen any, any, rarely it's a bold action. Most of the time it's either a legal firearm. We've seen just recent articles over the last month where one guy was caught with a Thompson minigun, uh, an Uzi. Yeah, you, yep. know, you know, a guy was making firearms in my area in, in Seven Hills, which is next to my suburb. He was also making illegal, quite well-manufactured semi-automatic firearms. There's a guy in South Australia uh, that was also making uh, f- uh, semi-automatic weapons because he was a, a fitter machinist. Fantastic-looking things. Do these people need to be philosophically correct? How can you, on one effort, you advocate for the continuation of pistols, which I agree with. Great pistols are fantastic, and I agree with them. But then on the next yeah. breath, they're saying no semi-automatic rifles when 95, I don't know the exact thing, but a lot of the crime is committed with a handgun. So how can these people be philosophically correct? Yeah, exactly, mate. I mean, it, it is frustrating. I mean, and, the, and these are shooters, you know. Yeah, said, yeah, exactly. As far as I'm concerned, you either stand for gun rights, and that's across the board, regardless of the caliber, category, and so forth, um, or you're against it. Because I, I look at it in the sense of uh, it's like, um, you know, uh, people may laugh at this, but it's sort of like a, a village who um, has a hungry wolf and they've got to keep uh, handing over a child to appease that hungry wolf. <laughs> That's how I look at uh, a lot of these firearm registries and so forth when they bring in their new restrictive policies. And a lot of shooters will go like, for example, say the hungry wolf wants uh, little girls this year, which might be, uh, you know, shotguns, for example. Well, the pistol shooters will go, yeah, we agree with that as long as you leave us alone. But the question is, is what happens when you run out of children to uh, feed the hungry wolf? What happens then? And the same thing can be equated to the, to the gun rights argument is you keep agreeing to giving away different rights. They are just chipping away until eventually they'll achieve their ultimate objective and that's no firearms for civilians. We've already heard. I mean, John Howard said it. He, he doesn't believe that any civilian should have firearms. Only the military and the police should have them. We see a lot of antis who, who believe that as well. And yeah, that shows their true agenda of what they want to achieve. Complete civilian disarmament and just have military and police having firearms. So That's why, you know, I use that example. Like, you've got to stand up for yourself. It doesn't matter if it doesn't affect you. Like, for for example, me, you know, like I'm not a massive shotgunner by any means. But if someone... That's it. Let's cease this conversation. I know, yeah, I know. know. Everyone's got... You haven't got a shotgun in the safe? Not at at present, no. Oh, no. No, We've got to change that, Aussie, mate. We've got to change that. (laughs) But I've got an SR556 and an SR762. Ah, all, right, so. all right, all right, all right, all right. I'm je- you know I'm already jealous. So. But, uh, you know, mate, I, I look at it and I think, look, regardless, I mean, if someone was, um, you know, going for shotguns, for example, and, and as a pistol shooter or something, you can't afford to say, well, oh, no, I agree, and just, you know, throw another uh, area of shooting you know, to the wolves, so to speak. You know, it, it's just not right. And, you know, they're dividing us. And that's part of their strategy. We need to join together and stick together. I mean, if you look at, for example, I'll just touch on this quickly, is when you look at um, how ridiculous the laws are, most people can't have a Ruger 1022, right? So obviously Cat C, primary production, feral pest control, collectors, dealers, armorers, etc. Yet as a sports shooter, you can have a Ruger Charger, which is a cut-down Ruger 1022, no drama, so it's concealable, the whole bit, not a problem, you can have it. Even more ridiculous and contradicting 
is me with an occupational license for Cat H, which means that I don't have to abide by magazine restrictions, uh, caliber restrictions, or barrel length restrictions with uh, Cat H occupational. So, for example, like my 1022 that I've got for feral pest control, I can't put greater than a 10 round magazine in that because it becomes what? Category D. So, therefore, you know, it's illegal. I'm changing the uh, firearm category. However, I can have a Ruger charger on my occupational license and go out with a 25-round magazine and a cut-down 1022, which in fact it is, and shoot all day long and, and they don't have an issue with it. Yet I can't have a Category D 1022 because it's registered as a Cat C. So how, how's that justifiable in the name of public safety? It's not, man. I hear this all the time, and some people don't want to say it, especially about the Adler. You said that, and we're having this conversation uh, for people listening before we actually came on air is, what's the difference between, uh, let's say, the seven-shot Adler they let in? What's the difference between that and a pump-action shotgun? And people have said to me before, oh, don't tell them that. Then it'll definitely be banned. I'm like, well, hang on. Shouldn't be, be instead of justifying why this is not a pump action and this is not a problem. How about we say, well, there's no issue. It just goes to show the lunacy of these gun laws. 100% agree, mate. And, and that's why we should be on the uh, forefront. Definitely, we should be saying that... Not, not, not trying to hide that and say, well, yep. oh, oh, don't. if you tell them that, they're going to ban the Adler. I mean, I, I've, I'll tell you what I think. They've already made their decisions behind closed doors. I think you'd probably agree with 100%, that. 100%. They yeah. definitely know where they're going with this. Um, you know, whether it's going to be good for shooters, we just don't know. you just got to keep on them. And I have people that... I know me and Aussie, we you know do things where we, we know how to write submissions and things like that and, and writing up letters to our politicians... But we all started at some stage fresh, didn't we, Aussie? You know, we, we started from somewhere. Yeah. And you, if you don't know what to write, just make it simple. You do not support any changes to the uh, current system. In fact, you'd like to see this, this, and this if you want to do that. If you only feel comfortable in putting in, I don't want to see any more changes, any more changes will result in the loss of my vote, so be it. Just keep it simple. A couple of paragraphs. Yeah, exactly. Make it easy for them to read because, you know, if they get if you get past three quarters of a page, I don't think they're really going to read it anyway. They're just going to go, oh, you know, in the bin or whatever. But the best part about sending mail in to the people listening is that they actually have to put on the system. They've got to scan it, give it a number, respond to you. So emails, they can just conveniently delete or not give you a response to or just give you the generic response, which what everyone's getting from Minister Keenan. Oh, sorry, it's going to your state, your state uh, police minister. Well, you ban the Adler overnight, so obviously it's not a state issue if you can just swipe a pen through the Adler just overnight. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly right, mate. I mean, you know, one of the funniest things about that, and I brought this up with uh, one of the federal uh, politicians I met with as well. Um, yeah, we were talking about the whole safety or public safety with importing and all this sort of thing, and that's why the Adler over five rounds is banned and everything. So I, uh, I had a look at the actual customs uh, regulations there with the privated import regulation, and believe it or not, any lever-action shotgun over five rounds, so a six-round um, lever-action shotgun, they've actually not put in with Category D, they've put it and classified it in with the full auto machine guns for the purpose of import. That's what they've put there. And the example I gave to uh, this politician, I said, "What? so it's all about public safety, correct? And he said, yeah, absolutely it is. And I said, okay, so how is it justifiable with me as a contract shooter with a Category D licence? I can import, for example, a semi-automatic shotgun with a 
drum magazine, 50 round drum magazine, as a because it's category D, and it can come into the country. I can possess it as a uh, occupational shooter. I said, however, I can't even have a six shot lever action shotgun because it's restricted to police and military for the purpose of import. He couldn't answer me. I don't think he probably even knew what you were even talking about, to be brutally honest with you, you know what I mean? Um, I don't know, man. What, what do you want to say, I think, to, to finish off, mate? We've had a great two-hour conversation here, which is fantastic, a lot of good information. What do you want to see you know, shooters do for the future? What, what do you think they can do? What should they be doing? Who do they need to talk to, et cetera? Guys, use uh, social media to your advantage. That's all I can say. Um, you know, keep up to date with what's happening in the industry. And then when you're called to stand and fight, don't be afraid. Don't be one of these people who just sit back and do nothing. I mean, for example, the three guys that um, you know turned up at Gun Control Australia's little uh, turnout when they were uh, pushing yep. for the Adler band. Yeah, great. Well done, guys. Yep. Great job. Absolutely. Hat off to those three guys there. Um, and look what happened. The media covered it. Okay, some of the stories were negative and they tried to construe it and say that, um, you know, uh, pro-shooting uh, groups, you know, <laughs> Kate crashed a, uh, a Gun Control Australia meeting, all this sort of thing. But look, at the end of the day, we still got airtime and uh, one of the blokes on there clearly said and the media covered it yeah good a gun did not kill your husband a bad man killed your husband you know and and that that information was put out there so it's absolutely key uh for shooters to get out there stand up and just keep talking guys don't be afraid to speak up and uh, be proud of what you're doing because you are the law-abiding people in the society be proud of it stand tall invite people out to the range get more people into shooting and together, if we all join together, then we can uh, send a clear message and reject any of these ridiculous proposals that are being forced upon us and turn back the time and actually have access to Category C, Category D. Yeah, there was a, uh, and most people would know this, I think it was our previous straight shooting podcast, might be 101, I can't remember, um, where actually Mars caught up, there's two, uh, two people that called in, I think it was Neil Breen on 2UE, and you know, the, the did a good job, but the second guy did a fantastic job as well. He actually, this guy really started to get upset. People like normally the presenters, you can't get under their skin, but this one, Mario and my mate did. He was, he was copying absolute bollocking, and he goes, "Oh no, guns!" And he goes, "Oh, we're not saying sporting shooters are the problems, but in the next breath, then he goes, "Oh, guns are bad." You know, what do you do? Just leave a gun in the uh, in the drawer, and no one will grab it, or no one, nothing will happen with it. And I'm like, well. If it's in your house, well, yeah, you know what I mean? Unless someone's going to grab it to do something bad. Where he goes, guns are bad and guns kill people. And then the, I think, it, I can't remember the guy's name that was uh, second to Mario. He goes, what do you mean? Guns don't do anything. And he, oh, geez, did, did our Neil Breen get fired up? But um, I love just getting amongst these, uh, you know, communities. And Muzz always rings me and says, hey, Jason, there's something on there. Ring up. Because I don't listen to these radio shows, which I think we discussed before. I just ring up when he rings me. Ring up your radio stations. Yeah, it's hard. My heart races as well. Um, but you know, you have these yep. radio stations have a large following, and to hear it, to us to go, uh, like for them to put crap on us unanswered, I don't think is acceptable. And there's probably shooters listening to it going, oh, "Okay, well, ring up." Ring that number and get yep, online and exactly. say, "Listen, I don't want. No, I don't agree with this at all." Um, you know, use some of the stuff. Even me, me and um, Aussie have just said on the show as well. You know, mention New Zealand, Canada. These guns aren't a problem, and 
you know, I think, you know, representing our shooters' rights. If we had, I mean, can you imagine if we had even just half of our shooters riding in, ringing our members, mate? That, It'd be massive changes. Off the chain. It'd be crazy. And as, as um, Ozzy just said, make sure you're getting people into shooting. One person will have 1.6 million, you know, like a, a minority no more. We're not really a minority now. If we use the power we had, we'd achieve so much, you know. What do you think about that? Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 um, it's frustrating to see that the the power to change things is in our hands, but it's just motivating all of us to do something, mate. What for finish off? Uh, what's up for Aussie reviews, mate? What's the plan? I mean, I know jealous of that uh, Ruge SR seven seven six two. I'd love to get one of those. I mean, geez, that'd be great, wouldn't it? You know, I mean, again, look, you've obviously got off a contract business. Nobody killed anybody today. Uh, those guns are st- uh, you know, secured and stored properly in the correct safe. Um, you know, what what's coming up for the future with reviews? What's your plan? Because um, I know we'd like to do, I was talking to Mario today, we'd like to do a um, straight shooting podcast when you if you come down for the uh, SSAA SHOT show in, um, I think we're not sure when this one is, May or June. Um, I think it is. Can't remember. We'll get we'll get back to everyone on that, but um, and have a good discussion there. But what's what's coming up? Well, mate, I uh, just picked up um, today a couple of Howard rifles. I got uh, the new uh, small action uh, heavy barrel Varmeter in uh, two two three. Try out. I've also got um, a synthetic stainless uh, three oh eight, more of a lightweight hunter as well. So I've got a couple of rifles there to review. Uh, 2016 will be a pretty big year for me. Um, there's a lot planned at the moment. Um, you know, just with the transition with building on the farm and stuff like that, it's a little bit hard, like time-wise. Um, I haven't been able to do as many reviews as I want to do, but obviously, when I uh, move and and get everything sorted out on a permanent basis, mate, the uh, frequency of the reviews is going to go through the roof. So. Um, yeah, keep an eye out, guys. That's all I can say. And uh, for those of you who have uh, supported me, um, look, very big uh, thank you to uh, all of you because I still remain independent. Um, I still call it exactly how I see it, and uh, I'd like to continue that so people have got just an honest uh, place you, you to know go. You know I've got to ask you, though. Do you ever take you – know, I've asked this before, but people would expect me to ask it again. Do you take money for favourable reviews? No, never. Never, mate. I've never been paid by any company for uh, the reviews. Good stuff, mate. Um, I guess last one to finish off. Anything you'd like to add, mate? Finish off, you know, sell us uh, what you think's important before we finish off. Well, mate, I think the uh, biggest important question is, um, did you enjoy your uh, T-bone tonight and everything I cooked? I did. I did. I, I got to um, Ozzy's house and, mate, he's overlooking this this beautiful mountain and uh, i'm just thinking i'm just so jealous <laughs> he put on a uh, a nice steak and um you know some uh, sausages and that set out on the deck in the nice breeze and um yeah no it was good i mean i think it was, what, it was about an hour and 10 minutes from uh, my parents house here in queensland and you know i just brought the equipment up with me just you know why not you know just again yeah mate it's been good i you know uh, and I, I i made sure the uh the back deck was uh, nice and open, and there's a cool breeze because I, I do uh, listen to your show, mate, yeah, and mate. I and I understand how you get very heat affected. Oh, I do, mate. I think I, I, mean, I think it's because I'm going to be gaining some weight. I've got to lose some weight. I really do. You know what I mean? But food's good, so yeah, enjoy eating the game meats. I'm just I'm just not built for this humidity. I keep saying, hate snakes, hate humidity. New Zealand's the best place for me. <laughs> it does look cold. fairly attractive, yeah. <laughs> you know, especially with their gun laws and stuff like that. But mate, I do appreciate you coming on. I do appreciate you know inviting me over. 
um, you know, your, your house and stuff like that. And I know you're pushing the, the good fight, um, not only on your page, but we're doing it as well. And, you know, that's what we need, mate. We need more people. And there are people out, like, sorry, out there like us that are, are pushing the barrel, that are doing it, you know, behind the scenes. They're, um, you know, shooters that, I don't know, one guy on my page, he wrote like 30 letters. Um, and then he posted a photo of it. I can't remember his name, and I'm sorry for that. But, um, I mean, these guys are just doing a great job, you know, these shooters, you know, I mean, the ones that really care about your gun rights. And I can, I know people, um, uh, some people are more interested in, say, you know, hunting and, and, their, and, and target shooting. But if, if your gun rights aren't number one, you're not going to have any of that less. We can talk about more access to state forests. We can talk about more access to you know, other hunting areas, national parks, which, which I'm sure, as it, Aussie, we all agree with that. But if you yeah, if you yeah. don't if you don't have any guns, you know, let's not mistake that Samantha Lee and all those people are totally interested in taking away your firearms. They say they're not. Um, yeah, I remember mean, uh, Ozzy. She said in 2009 with Bob Catter on the Sunrise program. She says, "On, oh, you know, uh, having a firearm is a right." In a previous yeah, interview, I remember that. Yeah, in a previous interview she did with Dr. Keston Green, who I'm going to be interviewing, she talked about the Lockhart suicides and stuff like that, murder suicide being a mass shooting, and then said, "I don't know. In this country, it's a uh, privilege to own a firearm now." So it just goes to yeah. show. Yep. These people don't know what they're saying. All they have is emotion. That's all they have. They don't have anything. And then when they need to push pedal it out, I mean, what a really worse time for the NFA review to come out in 2016 when it's you know 20 years of Port Arthur. I mean, you can't even write this stuff, can you? Yeah, that's right, mate. I mean, look, just think of it uh, on an emotional level and uh, you'll come up with the answers and the tactics they use. All right, mate. Thanks again. Um, do appreciate it. Uh, Aussie Reviews joins me here on the Australian Hunting Podcast to talk about everything in his home. Thanks for the steak, mate. I do appreciate it. Thanks for the uh, beer. Um, you know, probably a few more calories I didn't need, but uh, thanks again, mate. Appreciate it. No worries, mate. You've just been educated, and this is the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.